Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go with the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups in the province. Um, you can send us a text, be interactive that way at 936-6262. You want to call that number locally, you can. We could talk sports. We've got to pick the score today and talk about other things as well. Um, and, of course, you can always call one 767 Today's cut-down day in the NFL. I haven't really seen anything too important of note. It does look like Jonathan Taylor is going to stay with the Colts. He remains on their physically unable to perform list. So what that means is <clears throat> he can't play for a minimum of four weeks now, even if he is traded. He will be on their pup list and make $238,000 a week with his check. Like He'll get paid, but he won't be playing. So I'm not sure what's going on there. You know, I, I know in the world of football now, it's don't pay a running back. But of one team that should pay a running back, it's the Indianapolis Colts. Like, yeah, like we talk rookie about, quarterback. You got a rookie raw quarterback. <clears throat> Everybody admits that Anthony Richardson is raw. So why wouldn't you want a guy that is a workhorse that's already there, that already knows the team, he's in the locker room, he's a locker room leader. Why wouldn't you just pay and keep him? I don't get that. Well, that Colts organization is probably top five worst run teams in the NFL. Like they're yeah. Let's be honest. The only way they, bad. The only way they won is because Peyton Manning was their yeah. championship. Like they ran. Jay Mercy is just yeah. He's well. He's if he's not hopped up on something, he's just a wacko as it he's is. A wacko man. Um and the uh, yeah. So let's do that. Let's do that. You just started something. So let's go there. Yeah, yeah. Top five worst organizations in the NFL. Commanders were one. They think, were I, I, one. Yeah, well, I still, I think the Commanders. I'll put them at one because they've, they've earned that the right. for like 30 they've years. They've earned that right. I put <laughs> Cleveland at two. Yeah. Yeah. I put Detroit at three. Now take the current success out of it, if you want to call an eight and nine team successful. Those are the, that's the, actually, to be honest with you, sorry, I'd go Commanders and then I'd go the Detroit Lions. They're the only team that made two Hall of Famers quit in their prime. Kelvin Johnson, the Megatron, and Barry Sanders. So I'd go Commanders, Detroit. Because Detroit's never even been to a Super Bowl, let alone win one. Texans would be in there as well. They basically chased Andre Johnson out the door. He couldn't handle it. I'm going to go one, Commanders, off the top of my head. Two, Detroit. Three, Cleveland. Four. See, but Indy's won a Super Bowl. But it's just because of Matt. I'm going to go Chargers four. Chargers, Char- well, they're one of the worst run organizations ever. Yeah. Let's be honest. They are. They're they're terrible. They got a cheap owner. <laughs> he wouldn't stay in San Diego, but he'd rather be a, a, 
a punk renter for uh, for Kroenke. Um, although we do both agree their game day experience is better than the Rams. And we both agree they actually have kind of a boisterous fan base in L.A. when we went to that game. I was yeah. more, not because I'm just a Chargers fan, but, uh, and then I'd say probably... I think the Jets need to be in there because no team has the longest playoff drought in the NFL. Yeah, right now. I think the Jets is like 12 seasons. Yeah, it's Nobody's even close to that. (laughs) How about the Jags? They made the playoffs, but they've been just stinky. Yeah. They had one year there where they almost beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Now we're just, now we're just throwing teams in there. I think, I think we're both in agreement. Commanders. I think Detroit's the second worst. Come on. Cleveland's a close third. The Chargers are four. And just think of just perennial, just bad teams. I'd probably say you're probably... It's close between Indianapolis, just because of their wacky owner. The Raiders are pretty bad, too. Yeah. I'm going... I'll go the... There's a lot of bad Actually, I'll go the... I'll go the... I'll go the... uh, Ah, no, I got it. Number five is the Cardinals. Oh, The Cardinals are the fifth worst team. They are. In fact, many of the players who've been around the league say that that's the worst. Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, they're bad. And, they, and like they, cut, they cut Colt McCoy, the guy who I know he's a serviceable backup. He's not going to really move the needle. But the other guy, Kyler Murray, can't play for four weeks. Yeah, so he's obviously, on the PUP to start so the obviously, <laughs> So obviously they're tanking it. Because they want that. Who's the kid out of uh, USC? Oh, Caleb. Uh, uh, Caleb. Uh, I want to say Caleb Evans. Caleb Murray? No, not Kyler Murray. Caleb. Uh, what's his name? I should know this. Uh, USC quarterback QB is Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is supposed to be the guy. So, yeah, interesting. Caleb Williams. Uh, we don't know you quite yet because you haven't done anything. Not yet. Not yet. I was actually impressed, speaking of the NFL, I was actually impressed with your guy, Jordan Love. I thought he looked good in that preseason game. I know it's a preseason game, but I just like, he had some pretty good command of the offense here. Now, you tell me if this means anything or not, but the Green Bay Packers in the preseason through the three weeks of the preseason have the best uh, points per game or yards per game on offense and the best yards yeah. per game against on defense. I don't read into that. It doesn't most, mean anything. Most of the starters aren't starting. Right? I just I went I went through the rabbit hole of Twitter and people are like overblowing it. And I'm like sitting there like it doesn't mean anything, man. But no, to answer your yeah, yeah I like the way. So Rodgers, I've been watching uh, Hard Knocks. Rodgers or uh, sorry, the Jets with uh, Zach Wilson and Mike White, they got to seven wins on the season. They were a seven and ten football team. Are the Jets a playoff team with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I they think are. So, yeah, they are. I hate so to is say there it, seven? But... There's seven playoff teams yeah, there's aside. Seven of them. So you got. So let's go through this quickly. You got. Uh, let's start a little NFL talk. I yeah, like come it. Come on, baby. So, let's go. So uh, the AFC West goes to the Chiefs again. I think. Yeah. The AFC North goes to the Bengals. The AFC South goes to the Jags, and the AFC East goes to the Dolphins. Dolphins. Huh? I'm going Dolphins. Well, I, I think that one, that division's a toss-up. I will say that three teams will make the playoffs from the from the East. Okay, the Patriots being the worst team. Yeah. Okay, so so we've got those four teams, and you say the Bills will make the playoffs and the Jets and the Jets. That's yeah. so that's that's six. And who's your seventh team? I got to go with the Chargers. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a toss up between like the Chargers or Ravens. Ooh, Ravens is a good one too. You know, and they've one got of those uh, teams. and they've got uh, um, Beckham now. Maybe the Steelers can surprise some people. Who mm, knows? I'm not sold on Pickett. Are you? No, I'm I'm not sold on them. But like that last playoff mm. spot is just going to be a bundle of mediocrity. I don't think the Broncos are going to be that good either. I think Russell Wilson's done. He can't run around anymore. He gets he's injury prone. I don't think he's going to get like. I don't think he's. I think he's done. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna have a good year. I think they might win. Their old line sucks. Their the receivers are dropping like flies. They might win seven games this year. Yeah, that's how I feel. Ah, I hope you're right. I don't like the Broncos. I'm sorry, Rob Vanstone. I just don't like them. Um, Never have. Uh, and then on the NFC side, uh, we've got uh, your your NFC East winners are the Eagles. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna pick the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys will win the NFC East. Nah, I know Cow- you hate them. Nah, Cowboys. The NFC North, your team? I think the Green Bay Packers really? are going to win the division. I really do. People people aren't giving us enough credit. Like we have a re- pretty good roster, man. Like we have a really good team. Okay, so I'm, I'm I'll buy what you're selling. So I'm going to go and I and I will after watching Jordan Love, but it's all going to hinge on him. So we got you got uh We're going to beat the Bears week 1, you just see and everyone's going to be like, "Oh, it's the Packers division." Yeah, again. I can't pick the Cowboys. Eagles, your team, <laughs> the NFC uh, West has got to be oh that's a terrible division uh, probably the 49ers the Niners but will win I'm it. not going to rule out the Seahawks and then I think Geno Smith is going to stink this who's year who's the South who's the South Carolina uh, no New Orleans New Orleans oh, New Orleans with that Derek is Carr a bad division. Derek Carr so those are your four I got New Orleans San Francisco Philly and your team so we need three more playoff teams. I think the Minnesota Vikings yep, will be I agree. one. Yep. Maybe maybe the Detroit Lions or the Chicago like I think it, this is the year that it's possible that three teams you think Chicago? Of, yeah. I think Chicago makes it. I don't think Detroit makes it. I'm not believing the hype. They're Detroit. And the last team will be the Seattle Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are a really good team. Well, like, I think they I th- made the playoffs last year, but I think they're a good team. We got to give more love, I think, to the NFC East. Like the Giants might make the playoffs. The Not the Commanders. Cowboys. Cowboys or the Giants will make the playoffs. So one, so one of those guys. Okay, so we got so Vikings, we got Cowboys, so Vikings, Cowboys, and then we need Vikings, Cowboys, and uh, Bears or Lions, Seahawks, Bears, Lions, or Seahawks. Which one do you like there? Those would be the three that I'd pick from there. Uh, Lions, Lions. Yeah, I think Geno Smith is going to have a really bad year. I feel it in my bones. Last year is like one of those fantasy. Yeah, okay, years. I'll buy that. They got a good team, otherwise though. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with I think Justin Fields and the Bears. He's got some weapons there. So I'm going to go Bears. Um, now, Bears. now here's the Sorry. thing that ties into what we were talking about. You've got uh, Nathan Rourke getting released. I haven't seen him picked up on another. Now, he wasn't released. Somebody's arguing with me. Wave this different than released. You, you, fake news by you again. Well, released is what you do to uh, players that have four or more years accrued. Mm-hmm. Waived, it's the same thing. Like, you're basically getting rid of them, but it's it's from a guy like a Nathan Rourke who just got there. It's just there. a different process just, afterwards. Yeah, so he gets waived, and then he gets a chance to be picked up by other teams. Where if you're, uh, uh, you have four years accrued and you're released, you can be picked up by anybody. Yeah. Whereas he Automatically has, a free yeah, agent. So he has to go through a waiver wire process. But I mean, it's basically, when I say he was let go, released, that's what he was. The Jags, like, go, you might be back or whatever. But, like, I don't know. I don't... Listen, I love the kid. I actually talked to him last night via text. He said he'll do an interview here on the sports cage when he knows his future. 
which I said, thanks, man. Good luck. He's always he's he's always great about getting back to me. That's what I love about the kid. I want him to be more successful than anybody else. Like I, you know me. I've been on that train since day one when nobody else is on that train. Um, and I've said all along, guy's got talent. He does. Look what he did in the preseason. But he's gonna get screwed, man. He never even had a shot in Jacksonville. That's the most upsetting part. Like, like he's getting screwed, and he's going to get screwed, and it's what I said all along. Now, will he be back this year? Maybe not, because he's going to. It's his dream, and he can keep it going for as long as he wants. Okay, because as long as you're in the mix, you have a chance. But as soon as that C.J. Beathard contract was released, saying that you know he was getting millions of dollars, like right there. He should have just been like to hey, me. To me, I don't I have know. No shot here. Listen, I'm not a 25 year old guy with uh, otherworldly football talent. Okay, and you can weigh in at nine three six sixty two sixty two. And I love the NFL, and I know what the NFL is. It's it's where the money is, right? If somebody told you, hey, your son had a chance. I'm talking me. Your son has a chance to play for the Cincinnati Bengals or the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Of course, I'm going to tell him to go try Cincinnati. He's putting his body on the line the same way, the same type of injuries, and he. You know, millions and he's getting a, a chance to uh, make millions. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a chance to play Zinger and you are an otherworldly talent that Nathan Rourke is, you're really going to sit there and just wilt away and just stand on the sidelines and help be a mentor and chart plays and all this stuff? You're not doing that. Mm. You're wasting your career. You're 25. Why don't you come back to the CFL, make 700 bones, get Amar Dolman to set you up with all the business things you could ever have in Vancouver. Beautiful part. You're not 90,000 now. You're 700,000. You're not living in your parents' basement. You're living like a real man, like a real professional football player. You got all the... Come to Saskatchewan. Yeah, You'd be a say, freaking god. Enough th- with BC. You Capital would give you three cars. <laughs> you'd have a house for free probably somewhere in town here. Like You'd be set for life. Stay with me, Nathan. An absolute bedroom apartment. Absolute god. I've got a blow-up hot tub in my <laughs> backyard. Yeah. Just hop the fence. I have an 85-inch yeah. TV you can play video games Mater, on. just hop the fence, take my golf clubs, and play Aspen Links. They'll never know, and if they catch you, they'll say, you're Nathan Rourke. You do whatever the hell you want. He's not for... Listen, unless he's a starting quarterback in the NFL, and God, I cross myself, I hope he gets that chance. That's never happening for him. Yeah. Like, well, I don't see it happening from because the dude was lights out in the preseason, and they basically said that doesn't matter. You were there wasting your time. I think, I think if I were him, now this is just Zinger's opinion, but I think he should give it this season to see how things. Well, he's go. going to. He's not coming back this year. But after this year, like, what are you holding on for? I he's gonna he's got to be picked up by somebody, doesn't he? Maybe the New England Patriots. Well, there's a lot of teams that could pick him up. Anyway, how about Seattle if Geno flounders? Because he's a hell of a lot better than Drew Locke. Drew Locke, whoa. Yeah, man, Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta. I, who the hell is I this Ritter guy? Like, they have three horrible quarterbacks. Or I, I shouldn't say that. Taylor Heineke, he's not horrible, but pretty sure he's on hey, listen, if you're Listen, if you're in the NFL, you're not horrible. No, you know what I mean. In relative yeah, compared to everybody else yeah, in the league. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, let's take a break. We'll catch up with Dante DiCaria. Pats are starting up again here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. We got a great show coming up here, as we always do. 
told my buddy Perry Nice who's coming up on the show. He's like, really? What a show. I said, that's just a regular Tuesday in the sports cage. We were supposed to be joined by Dante DiCaria. Hopefully we'll catch up with him around 345. Um, we got picked the score. Arash Madani talking about Canada's comeback win over Latvia. It was a lot closer. Well, it wasn't close in the end, but it was close at the start. Uh, Ryan Pollock with the Royal Regina Golf Course. He got a, a nice rider-themed event coming up there, and we'll talk yeah. to him about his favorite Labor Day memories. I think Glenn Suter's in for that, if I'm not mistaken. Bomber alumni versus rider alumni. No, that's at Aspen Lakes. Oh, There's yeah. another one. Sorry. Yeah, you get into golf courses mixed up. We'll yeah. talk more about that in the CFL report. Um, also, I want to get to... Um, conversation we're going to have with uh, Ken Hitchcock. Uh, so, um, is he on the phone now? Okay, let's go to Dante DeCaria. Dante, how are you? I'm good, man. Sorry about that. That's okay, that's okay but uh, you're still in the off-season mode. Uh, but that's uh, about to, <laughs> uh, that's about to end, bro. You got uh, training camp coming up here. Tell us about it. Yeah, no, everything obviously really busy uh, bringing in 59 kids, so uh, it's going to be uh, quite a bit roster uh, that begins uh, tomorrow with orientation at the cooperator center with uh, rookie camp beginning on Thursday. So it's uh, a little bit different than what the, you know I've experienced in years past. The team is doing a two-day rookie camp before main camp begins on uh, on the weekend. So uh, an opportunity for Al Miller and a lot of the new hockey ops staff to see you know, some of the the prospects for the first time, and then uh, you know see who makes the cut for for main camp on the weekend uh, again. It's the first time that they've done this since I've been with the team going into my third season with the Pats. So uh, interested to see how uh, things kind of play out with rookie camp beginning uh, on Thursday and then main camp on the weekend. Are there any uh, new names we should be looking for if we come out to watch this thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Cole Temple is somebody who's probably pegged to make uh, this year's roster. He's going to be, uh, you know, 16 this year. He's uh, the fifth overall pick back in 2022, and he's coming off a, a solid season with the Brandon Weekings U18 program. So he's somebody that fans should be excited about. And, hey, you never know. Like, the, the great thing about junior hockey is that uh, you just never know. Michael, you've been around longer than me, right? Uh, who would have thought, and I always bring this up, and maybe it's a bad comparison, but who would have thought that Adam Brooks, who had 15 points one year, would have scored 60-plus the year after, right, in the 14-15 season and went on to have uh, back-to-back 100-plus point seasons after in his 16- and 17-year-old year was scoring under 20 points. You just never know in junior hockey. You never know about some of their off-seasons on what they've done, and maybe they figured it out, and now they have a little bit more confidence, et cetera, and yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's always a crapshoot, right? I, I've said this many times when you're uh, drafting these young kids and you, you never know how 15-year-old's going to develop from 15 to 17 to 18, especially when they got to move away from home, billet families and all that type of thing. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, we know Bedard's not here, but uh, we got Tanner Howe, we got some of the other ones. Tell us about some of the familiar names coming back. Yeah, Tanner Howe is going to be back with the team coming off an 85-plus point season last year. He's uh, expected to kind of carry the load offensively. Uh, other than that, I think Parker Berg's going to take a big step as a 20-year-old this year. you got another 20-year-old and Zach Stringer coming back and Braxton Whitehead. And I uh, had a chance to, to see some of the guys today. Leighton Feist is going to be 19. Ty Spencer is going to be 19. Borea Valles, who just missed the draft, is going to be 19. So some of these uh, kids so to speak, that we called maybe uh, a year or two ago are now kind of 
becoming those veteran players. So it's a great opportunity for those guys to kind of, you know, pick up where Bedard, Suzdalev, and Svolzel uh, left off. Now, I know we're talking about some of the, the guys returning. Obviously, uh, as announced yesterday uh, via press release, uh, the Pats uh, will not have Alexander Suzdalev at training camp. He's expected to begin the season professionally with the Washington Capitals organization, most likely with the Hershey Bears in the American Hockey League. And uh, an unfortunate injury, uh, Drew Sim will not partake in training camp as he is out indefinite uh, with a lower body injury. So it's a first glance for Pats fans to see uh, Hugh A, the son of yeah. uh, Cristobal Hugh A. So that's going to be really exciting. He's an import from, uh, well, he's got dual citizenship. He's representing uh, Switzerland at the World Juniors. He just par- participated in their uh, uh, the Switzerland uh, World Junior Camp in August. So he's coming fresh off the World Junior Camp uh, to Regina. So, uh, just to reiterate, uh, the, the first on-ice session is when, and I'm assuming it's uh, it's wide open, people can come down and watch, right? Yep, everybody can come down and watch. Uh, Thursday is the first on-ice session. That's rookie camp. So Thursday yeah. and Friday is going to be rookie camp at the Brandt Centre. The full schedule is posted uh, at reginapats.com. Main camp will begin Saturday. Uh, most of the on-ice sessions will go throughout the day, but uh, for rookie camp, uh, the first one begins from 4 to 6 on uh, Thursday. Tomorrow's just orientation, yeah. uh, you know, meeting the staff, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, a, a lot of changes going into this year. And uh, just, uh, I know as a fan, when I show up to these things, or, or a broadcaster, uh, you know, checking it out, will there be uh, numbers and stuff uh, listed on your website so that people can follow along on their phones when they're watching these things? Absolutely, Michael. Uh, I'll have... Uh actually just finished printing them off. I knew you would! I knew you would! Hey, I'm, I'm all about that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I got... Rosters will be available, uh, limited supply, obviously, uh, inside the Brand Center, but uh, they will be posted uh, prior to uh, each day in terms of updated rosters. So we'll have uh, a rookie camp roster, both teams in numbers, uh, starting uh, Thursday, which will be posted on Twitter. And, of course, you can see the full roster at reginapats.com. And, uh, yeah, no, we'll have some paper copies as well. Everything that uh, you need to kind of follow along through training camp. The great voice of the Regina Pats, Dante DeCaria, and we'll be joined by the GM Al Miller tomorrow. Thanks for your time, Dante. Thank you so much, Michael. Take care. That's Dante DeCaria. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. 334 with your sports ticker in the first top 10 U Sports football ranking came out today and there are three Canada West teams in the top 10. Saskatchewan is number 3, UBC number 9 and Manitoba is number 10. Number 1 is of course the Laval Rouge or coming off that Vanier Cup win last year versus the Saskatchewan Huskies. And I mentioned UBC at number nine. Well, that will be the Regina Rams opponent coming up here on Friday. So maybe a chance for the Rams to get inside the top 10 if they can knock off the number nine ranked UBC Thunderbirds. Opening kickoff on Friday is at seven o'clock on 620 CKRM. FIBA World Cup, Canada used another strong second half to top Latvia, 101-75 to Tuesday, and with the win, finish atop a Group H with a perfect 3-0 record, and it's the first time that Canada has ever won its group in a FIBA World Cup, so some history made. The Canadians' opponent will be determined after Group G wraps up on Wednesday. And some Blue Jays news. Danny Jansen hit his 16th home run of the season as the Toronto Blue Jays got back in the win column last night with a 6-3 win versus the Washington Nationals at Rogers Center. So the wild card race is 
Pretty tight, however. The Houston Astros and Texas Rangers, they just keep on winning. So the Jays still stand two and a half games back of a playoff spot going into play tonight. Jays and Nationals shortly after 5 o'clock. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the uh, Sports Cage for our friends at uh, Saskatchewan Lotteries bringing communities together. They've got uh, fundraisers that support over 12,000 sport culture and recreation groups in the province. Youth sports football well underway. Western Mustangs open the season with an 83-0 beatdown of the York Lions. This is what drives me nuts about um, youth sports football. I think Can West is the last to get going. Like, no, you're do you, right. Do you, remember, do you remember, I don't know if it was last year, but it was the year before when the Huskies went all the way. Remember the Can West and the, was it Can West and OAU were playing that semifinal? I forget how it worked, but the team that the U of S was going to play already had a bye for a week. I think it was the OAU team when they played Western and lost to them. OAU had a week off before the Huskies, like Huskies didn't get a bye. That, like, you know, we need to find a better way for this. You should put the top teams in one conference and all the bottom feeders in another conference so that they're not embarrassed. Like, okay, let's go through this top 10. And I, rankings, even when I do them, it's subjective. It's like, you don't put a lot of stock in. I don't even put a stock into mine, to be honest with you. It's just more kind of prisoner of the moment thing. Manitoba's at number 10. Okay, they're the number 10th ranked team. Get out of here. Like, get out of here, number 10. Did you watch them? <laughs> Come on, that's not a 10th ranked team. UBC's nine? UBC is going to be the powerhouse team in the Can West Conference this year. They have three professional offensive linemen on their line right now. I talked to Mason Nice's dad, Perry, who talked to Mason, who's a coach, okay? And Mason Nyes played behind some pretty good offensive lines with the U of S. He said this is the best offensive line he's ever been around. Wow. That's what he told his dad. Mm-hmm. You got UBC at nine. Ottawa at eight. Queens at seven. Laurier at six. Sane effects at five? Are you kidding me? That one is just... Montreal at four. U of S at three. Western at two and Laval at one. Okay, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. I realize the Huskies don't have their quarterback back, okay? And that is the main position in football. How are the U of S Huskies behind Western in the standings? I don't care if Western's a powerhouse perennially, okay? Get out of here. It should be Laval, the team that won, then the U of S Huskies, because they haven't played. So how can they go down from being the second best team in the country going into the season? They're stacked everywhere but at quarterback, and apparently this big, tall gunslinger they got is going to be pretty good. So let's wait. They should be two. Western should be three. I'd probably be okay with Montreal being four. I'd put UBC at five. Um... St. FX should not even Saint be in the FX top 10. St. FX should be in the top 10. I'd put the Not Ram- every conference needs to be in there. No, the Rams should be in that top 10. Yeah, I say at least, I think they should be 10, 10 instead of Manitoba. 10 instead of Manitoba. And, and then bump it down from there. I, I, uh, if we're looking at the, the conference that, 
that really is the best conference in football. It's the Can West Conference from top to bottom. I'll tell you who's bad. Every single game is I'll competitive. I'll tell you who's bad. Uh, not true. Calgary's not very good. And, oh, they, yeah, and they're uh-huh. not going to be good for a couple. Like They weren't good last year, and I don't think they're going to be good this Historically, year. Historically, though, like every single yeah. every single game is like up for grabs. But like, yeah, if you the had Dinos to, if you had, are If you had to get me to bet right now, just because I don't know what the U of S Hus- Well, no, I got to give. The Huskies are going the best team. You got to give it to them. They're the two-time defending Hardy Cup champs. They're stacked everywhere but the quarterback spot. And after, if their quarterback gets hurt, they're hooped. Sorry, no disrespect to kids, but that's the way it is. So I get the Huskies won barely over UBC. They'd be number two. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about Alberta. Do you know much about them? No, not really. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like the Rams' defense. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not huge. I don't. They got a great defensive coordinator, but I think they've lost too much on defense. I think the Rams will just squeak into the playoffs. I think I'm, I'd probably put Manitoba three. Even huh? How do I put? Nah. I think it. I think I'm gonna go throw U- them in a blender, man. Yeah, Anyone no. could come. I'm out. gonna go U of A three, Rams four, Manitoba five, Calgary six. That's how it'll end up. Hmm. What do you think? You're the voice of the team. Uh, well, I I think the Rams have a, have a shot at uh, at second. At second, I, I you really, do. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Is Pelshay ready to take that next step? I think he, I think he's going to be really good this year, Noah Pelshay. So? I, I I I do. Like I thought, I was impressed with him last year in his first year starting. It looked like that he was a you know already a couple year vet under. They center. say the old lines. Good this year. O line's good. Uh, the receiving core is outstanding. It's the defense it's the that defense, concerns me. Though, yeah, but there's a few new pieces in there. It's just it's 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 going to be interesting. Around, they man. got pushed around by Manitoba last week. Yeah, well, no, a lot of players were in and out. I don't put too much weight into that game, that preseason game, as far as the outcome goes. Like, yeah. I mean, there was 80 players dressed for the Regina Rams crazy, on, on this past I remember, Friday. I remember when we had like 60, and that was tops. Yeah. The most players we had was The whole sidelines from like goal line to goal line was just filled with players. So I don't put as long stock as into that. As long as they're quality. As long as they're quality players that push the guys in practice. That's what you want. I imagine if the Rams can come away with a win versus UBC on Friday. I mean, then what kind of discussions are we going to be having? We're going to be talking about for UBC, sure. UBC and Manitoba are weird teams. They're always weird. Like, Manitoba generally has talent, but they take stupid penalties and screw themselves up, especially early in the season. Yeah. And the UBC Thunderbirds generally... Every year, it doesn't matter. They late don't show up till team. late till the season. Yeah. Uh, they'll be one and three, one and four. You'll be like, what's the matter with UBC? And then they'll be four and four, get into the playoffs, and all of a sudden they won the conference. That's that's how they go. Man, what's it like calling a game at Thunderbird Stadium? <laughs> that's going to be interesting for you. Uh, you. There's like no press box. I saw no, no, one you, game. You, you, block, you block out a section. Like you and Ryan will block out a section. Like three rows where they'll have a taped off for you where nobody can come around you, but you'll be just like you're a fan in the stands. Only you'll have a microphone on your head, <laughs> oh, and they wow. will, and you will string about, you will string about two hundred feet of uh, 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 internet hardline internet cable to stick into. That's what we used to do. Now we've got fancier equipment back when I than when I used to do it. But 
the game itself, like the crowd, it, when it's there and the setting and everything, oh, it's it's old. You love it. It's an it's old. A little, I saw one game in stadium. person there yeah. before, but yeah. I've never thought of where do they broadcast here. Uh, so it's a, well, they I have an actual <laughs> broadcast booth for the TV. Whoever does the TV or well, the internet, get them out of here. No, you're at, and you better wear sunglasses because the sun when it sets there. Right in your eyes. Well, too far away from the field, though. The, the yeah. Uh, I mean, why? Why is it like that? Like, move the stands okay, closer. Okay, okay, okay. Just wait a minute. You're not at SoFi Stadium. You're not at Mosaic. You're in UB. But you know what's hilarious about that? That is the third largest fundraising organization in North America. I thought it was two. Or sorry, two. It's behind uh, the World uh, World Vision and then UBC. Why can't they put money into their stadium? It's a I dump. Know. It's a dump. It is a dump. It makes old, old Gordy Hole Bowl in Saskatoon look like Texas Stadium. Mm. Like it's it has, AT&T it has great, stadium. great potential though. Yeah, it's when, great, you, when you walk up it to it, it in the loud. parking lot, when they have their homecoming game and everybody goes, there's like seven thousand, eight thousand people there. It is loud. We've gotten a few games. That there. guy wearing the the gloves, he stands yeah. up in the crowd and just hammers on that drum. I was all I, I, game did, long. I did the game when it was like. Oh, I forget. It was like 62 to 46 or something. Like the Rams lost. Yeah. I was in Teal Orban through for like, it was like arena football. I think numbers. I remember that name. I yep. think a key mix was on the team. Like, oh, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the most damning. Th- like, how do I put this? Eh, I better not say. Hmm. Nah, I better not say. You I can just, tell me later. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you later. I, I want to be a football community guy. I better not say. I'll just say this. I don't know how the University of Regina Rams, with Stefan Charles, Akeem Hicks, and Tavon Campbell, all in their team, all NFLers, with a great offense, couldn't stop anybody. How the hell couldn't they stop anybody? That's why they call football the ultimate team game, baby. You can have a couple individuals, but hmm. I don't know. Let's I'm take, just trying to find a point. I'm just going to get out of getting into trouble. Let's take a break. <laughs> we'll be back with more in a moment on the Sports Gauge on 620 CKRM. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Gauge on 620 CKRM. Let's get to one of your texts here. Uh, anonymous texter, 936-6262, which is brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. Um, the NFL is better only because of the money. It's sure not the better game. Yeah, well, I agree with that. It's not the better game. They do have uh, about... I've said this before. People laugh at me, but it is true. It's absolutely true. Uh, I've talked to players that have played in both leagues, Cameron Wake, everybody. Uh the NFL has about seven, maybe eight elite players on each team. Mm. You know, your Patrick Mahomes, your Travis Kelsey's, those kind of guys. And then from eight to the bottom of the roster is basically the same. No. It's basically the same. I agree. Now, idiots will say, oh, you mean just the Americans, not the Canadians. No, you undermine. There's a lot of good Canadian football players now. Uh, over 200 now playing NCAA Division One football, not to mention the great Canadians playing U sports football and even some juniors. So, uh, no, it's uh, it's a better game. There's no doubt about it. And it's starting, I'm, I'm really, it feels like, and I'm happy about that, it feels like things are turning around, like people are watching the game more, I I feel. Like, you know, like the, the CFL ratings. Oh, yeah, and the ratings. But even like 25 standing. to 54, our broadcasts are sold out. Um, this is interesting. They've got that new professional women's hockey league, right? Mm-hmm. And they've got uh, three 
three teams in Canada and three in the states. They've got uh, in the United States. Uh, hold on here. It's the New York area. New York area. Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Saint Paul. And what's the other one? Uh, uh, Boston, I believe. Boston. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Minneapolis, Boston, New York area. In Canada, we've got um, Toronto. Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal. So um, now I get Ottawa and Montreal only in the sense that you want to create a, na- a natural rivalry. Okay. My only qu- do you think it does a uh, service or a disservice to put it in the same area as a as a uh, uh, as an NHL team? Here, let me let me. We just talk CFL and NFL for a second. I like I I I enjoy all football. I like both leagues. I think you can like both leagues. It's like I was a Van Halen rocks rock band. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, you, you got to be a David Lee Roth or a Sammy Hagar guy. I like them both. Well, no, you got to choose. No, and I like all football. I just finished saying the game is better in the CFL. But if we were, put it to you this way, okay? Suppose we have a team in Green Bay, the Packers, and we put a CFL team in Green Bay and call them the Green Bay Garbage Men or whatever, okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Is anybody going to go to that? No is anybody going. Are people, are, is it going to do it a service? Oh, more football. Oh, the Packers, so I'm going to check this out. Or are they just going to whatever? Why would anybody want to go watch professional women's hockey, nothing against women's hockey, in Montreal when the Canadians in there are there, when the Leafs are there, when Ottawa's there. Like, they don't even go to Ottawa Senator games full-time. Why would they go to a professional women's hockey league? It, it makes no sense to me. Put it somewhere where it might be appreciated, like Regina, like... Wherever um, the spotlight will be on the team, because when you put them in these big... The, the spotlight won't be on them, and these players deserve the spotlight, so why not put them in... Why not Regina? Regina's a nice little Regina's a nice little like uh it's got a nice rink we're not competing with the rush or everything they got in Saskatoon Regina would be perfect uh. yeah or Hamilton why not in Hamilton yeah. is cops Coliseum still open like why not in a Hamilton yeah. or um or somewhere like that where you do a population around there because a lot of London. these a lot of these yeah a lot of these ladies uh, young uh female female ice hockey players are from the Ontario area so i kind of get that but why toronto that makes no sense to me no, that, in my opinion that's like the worst place <laughs> yeah you got to put them where the spotlight where they'll get you know more eyes watching them just because they're playing in a huge city doesn't mean that that's more like more people are going to go to the right. games it's like what they people got said leafs marley always made the argument that you're going to put uh Oh, Saskatoon could support a, a CFL team. No, it couldn't. First of all, where are you going to build the stadium? Like, like who's going to pay for the stadium, number one, even a temporary stadium? Number two, do you really think the CFL and the riders, for that matter, are going to be happy with breaking up their brand? Why wouldn't they put an NFL team in Milwaukee? Because they don't want to wreck with the Cleveland or the uh, Green Bay Packers brand. That they're, not doing the, never they're, not, they're not doing that. that. That's never happening. It, I laugh when people say that. Imagine, like, we get... Like twenty seven, twenty eight thousand people per game right now at Mosaic Stadium. Like a lot of those people come from the Saskatoon area. If there was a team up in Saskatoon, you and can I don't even know kiss that, goodbye. And a I lot don't of even know fans. that we really get twenty seven thousand. That's what they say. And that's what they say. Is they the say the tickets, attendance. the tickets sold. Now, granted, we don't watch games like uh, 
they don't watch like you and I want to watch. We don't go to our we go to our seats and watch. People walk around, drink, look over their shoulder, and I don't care as long as they're coming to the stadium. So that's that's one story to talk about today. The other one that I found interesting. Now you could make a case back to the NFL. You could make a case for um, you know uh, Justin Herbert. He had two good years. Your third year was kind of off. Maybe we got you for another year under control. Maybe we can wait. You know, uh, Jalen Hurts, do we sign you to an extension? You've had one really good year. We want to maybe wait, but you'll you'll give him his deal. Uh, they gave the deal to um, Lamar Jackson, even though it's consensus. You don't uh, want him turning into Cam Newton. Contentious, right. You know? But why have the Bengals not signed Joe Burrow? Like, Joe Burrow is the... Joe Burrow, in terms of what he's done, I still like Herbert better. I've said that before. But Joe Burrow is the second-best quarterback in the NFL right now. Why is he not signed by the Bengals? Are the Bengals going to bangle this thing? I think so. They, they might bungle it. Like, what? Like why <laughs> wouldn't you sign him? Well, I think, it's, I think uh, it comes down to... Injury schmindry. He's back. No, I know. But I, I, I think it comes down to Joe Burrow not getting what he thinks he deserves. I think I, it's more so on his side, if I were to guess. Like I Maybe. think the, the Bengals, like they're probably thro- throwing a number at him, and Burrow's like, "Hey, but you see this dude get signed for that big contract up ten times." By the, the way, that was him. a great move by the Dallas Cowboys picking up Trey Lance. Yeah. They got a guy for two years under control that that was a high draft pick. That everybody, when they were asked in the NFL, everybody, not just the 49ers, said this guy would probably be a first round pick, maybe not that high, or a second round pick. So you got a third overall pick for a fourth round draft pick. And you've got a quarterback in in um, um, Dak Prescott who is not as mobile as he used to be. He's been hurt. He's coming up now, Zinger, to after this year, He's going into his last year, and he can't be tagged in that last year. Mm-hmm. He's got a non-taggable deal. So what you're trying to do is put the pressure on him. You know what I mean? Put the pressure on him a little bit, and now you get a chance to see, hey, what can happen with this guy? Like, Trey Lance, this is why I can't believe, A, they drafted him that high, the 49ers, and B, they gave up on him that fast. They made all those, they made, they gave up a lot of draft capital to move up to three to get this guy. He has four career starts in his whole football career besides high school, college, and NFL. He has taken, let me give you an over under, over under 500 snaps. Under 420. He's taken 420 snaps. Why wouldn't you just make him your backup quarterback? Even in your mind, if you thought Sam Darnold's going to be the guy, where's Sam Darnold going to go? Mm-hmm. Like It's not like there's a hot, hot big lineup for Sam Darnold. Keep Sam Darnold there. Another underwhelming third overall pick. Keep him as the third stringer. Work with Trey Lance as your second stringer because now you just look like where Ryan Leaf was the biggest bust maybe in NFL history... You were t- like if the Colts took Ryan Leaf, the Chargers were taking Peyton Manning and vice versa. So yes, they look bad, but the 49ers look worse. They traded all of that to get like the Chargers didn't trade up; they just sucked. They, These guys traded up and blew it. Everything that the Niners traded for Trey Lance, it's the equivalent to everything the Packers traded for Favre. You know, Rodgers and for Jordan Love. I saw a graphic. Like wow. Everything, all the capital that the Niners spent to go up and was get... Was everything they tra- got for those three guys? Yeah. 
Oh my God, that even makes it look worse. And well, nobody's nobody's saying John Lynch is a buffoon. Yeah. Like the 49ers have a really good team singer. But do you really trust? You talked about Geno Smith. I kind of feel that way about Brock Purdy. I don't think no. he's going to be all that. Now you got rid of Trey Lance and you got Sam Darnold. Hmm. The Niners, is, they're like that team that don't need a star at quarterback, though. They're a weird team. Like, they win no matter what with that defense. No, run. you're wrong. You always need a star to win a championship at quarterback. That's the one sport you need a star. If you don't have a true well, we've, QB we've, one, see, we've seen a lot. Once. Oh, once. Trent Dilfer, Brad once. Johnson. Twice. Uh, Joe Flacco. I don't know. They're all Ravens quarterbacks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. If you had a really good defense, but that doesn't happen most times. Doug Williams? Uh, he, he was good. He, he was all right. He, he was, was a flash in those, the pan, He though. was better than those guys. Yeah. Mark Rippon? Mark okay, Rippon. Okay, maybe you're right. I'm yeah. wrong. <laughs> so Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. Tuesday show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. And our buddy Arash Badani from Sportsnet, it's Coast to Coast for Brian Golly. Be smart with your money. Give Brian Golly a call, 546-2533. Playing Latvia today at the FIBA Men's World Cup in basketball. Uh, it didn't start well, but it ended like we thought it would. Yeah, I mean, they were down a dozen in the first half balls, and you're kind of looking around saying, what the heck is going on here? And, folks, you know how it goes. In sports, you often look to your leader to do something. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the leader of this Canadian team. And afterwards, he admitted, you know what, I was lazy in the first quarter. He said, I knew I had to be better. I checked myself. I looked in the mirror. He said, I knew when I'd be better, the whole tide would turn. And man, did it ever. Like, SGA finished with 27 points. Well, he, he had 16 in the third quarter, but it was the last four minutes of the first half that completely changed the game, and then Canada went on a roll. And what an achievement. I mean, they made history. Never before had the men's national team won the group stage at a FIBA World Cup, and uh, milestone one is now checked off. Latvia's coach wasn't happy with the officials. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I mean, I mean, uh, sorry, I'm still laughing. He blamed. He said. He said that Gilgis Alexander is getting the superstar treatment, and that you know we got hosed and blah blah blah. Um, that's not why Latvia couldn't miss in the first half from three point territory. They, I think, they began zero for nine in the third quarter. But it was interesting. Ballsy. He also said that when you play Canada, a country like Canada, you have to be perfect. And what what an absolute compliment that is to the state of affairs for the national team in this country. And here's, here's another real mark of who and what these guys are. So, you know, again, they were down at 12 in the first half. They somehow had a one-point lead at the break. 
And their head coach, Canada's head coach, Jordy Fernandez, was about to go in the locker room and just lay into the guys. And he walks in, and the players are already talking shop. They're holding each other accountable. And Fernandez is like, okay, I know we're going to be okay. That's good. Funny how, funny how the dynamic of a team can go when the, when the players themselves are the ones who are policing each other. Well, the best, the best teams are the player-driven teams. Um, Arash, so where does that leave Canada now? What's next? So what's next is a full day off tomorrow. Then they start prep on Thursday. On Friday, they will play likely Brazil. That'll be a 9.30 Eastern time uh, morning game. And then they get Spain. That's the second round. The second round is two games. But what it, the way it works in the FIBA World Cup is these first five games, they all matter. So Canada, unless they lose both games, and I don't foresee them doing that, um, that, that'd be the only way they'd be in trouble of missing the medal round. The medal round begins next week in the Philippines in Manila. We're, we're going to go on to Manila with them. But they have two more games coming up. And then in Manila is where the quarterfinals begin. So they're in very good shape right now. Um, with the 3-0 and start, with the point differential, they've won, they've won by 30, 55, and now 25 or so or something like that today. Hmm. So everything is in their favor right now, Ballsy. I'm interested. How's the uh, interest level around there? I have to tell you, there were 3,000 Latvian fans who flew in, you know, from... Wow. They, they now have independence. They're no longer part of Russia. And they had chants, and they had drums, and they had trumpets, and they had flags, and it was rocking and rolling in here. It's interesting. Basketball is a massive sport in Southeast Asia. It's the number one sport in the Philippines. It's among the top sports in Indonesia. And fans here are getting a glimpse of NBA players, and they've only they only really know them through TV and YouTube. And now they're you know twenty five, fifty, seventy five feet away from them in real life. And it's like there are so many Lakers jerseys here. There are so many Steph Curry jerseys here. Shea Gilgis Alexander is a star here because he's a star in the NBA. And basketball is truly a global game. So it's really cool to kind of see it all unfold. Let's talk Canadian quarterbacks. You wonder where Edmonton would be if Trey Ford was in there a lot earlier, man. Uh, I don't know how he's going to, I don't know how he's going to end up as a quarterback. I'm not really sold yet on his throwing, although he did throw for 317 yards. Ottawa, not a great defense in the secondary, but when he's on the field, he's the most dynamic athlete. Tell you what, what'd they start? 0 9? Is that what it was? Yep. Yep. Yeah, are you? I have a hard time believing they wouldn't be at least two and seven with Trey Ford, and I and I get it. Taylor Cornelius was going to win MOP, right? <laughs> um, so you had to go with him. You had yeah. to go with him. Yeah. But if if they had gone with Trey Ford just a little earlier, maybe they have a win or two. It's funny. I did Calgary Radio yesterday. Yep. And they asked me who's going to end up with the better record: the Stamps or the Elks. And I hadn't even thought about it that way. But here comes Edmonton. Like, uh, I know they've only beaten Ottawa and Hamilton. 
But there's something about momentum in sports, especially in football. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. And uh, you know, so that's the political side on on in, in the CFL in terms of you know uh, he's a Canadian. If he would have been an, a quarterback from Alabama State or something, he'd probably be in there a lot earlier. Uh, on the other side of the border, there's oh, yeah. po- on the other side of the border, there's politics too. Nathan Rourke absolutely outplays C.J. Beathard, and he's waived. And so we wait to see what happens with him. Yeah, and look, this was a. I, I know people are up in arms about this. I know it feels like it's a referendum about Canadian quarterbacks and the rest. I, I just look at it this way. I think it's a heck of an op- This has been a heck of an opportunity for Nathan Rourke. I think he learned a ton under Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence and the NFL game. I don't think his time in Jacksonville is up unless somebody else is just going to activate him and put him on the active roster. Um, I, I think that Nathan Rourke's NFL career is actually just starting. Um, I think this is just uh, it's a paperwork thing because there's going to be room for Nathan Rourke somewhere in the NFL. I really believe that. I think he's wasting his time and should come back here and be the star of the league and make more money and be more of uh, more satisfied in his career up here in the CFL because he is he is a he's got great talent. He's better than a lot of the backups and maybe even a couple of starters, but he's going to get screwed. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Like we really don't know. Like, right? It's I have my opinion. You have yours, and. All it's, you know, I saw today Colt McCoy got released. Yeah. Um, there's so many. Ben DiNucci got released in, in Denver. There, there's going to be a bunch of movement with quarterbacks coming out of these cuts and especially out of the first two, three weeks of the season. Well, hey, uh, you make more money there. I'm all for players making money, and he's a great guy, so I really hope that he um, he does make it. I, I reached out to him. He said he's going to get back to me as soon as things clear up for him. So, hey, I'm cheering for the kid. I just, the politics, man, it gets you. And, sure. la- and lastly, a guy that helped develop many stars at the pro level and was working as a DC in Clearwater at a prep school, Rich Stubler, five-time Grey Cup champ pass passing away at the age of 74. just want to get a comment before we let you go on him. Yeah, I, I, I look at Rich Subler through a bunch of different lenses. One, players really enjoyed playing for him. He empowered players to understand the game through a different lens. You look at kind of Rich Stubler's tree, not, not a coaching tree, but kind of a coaching tree. His players, Ballsy, included Orlando Steinauer, and Mike O'Shea, and also Devon Claybrooks, who was a coach in you know the BC Lions. Rich Stubler brought the match coverage to the CFL. Rich Stubler did not have an extensive defensive playbook. It was concepts. Jordan Younger, who's an assistant coach under O'Shea in Winnipeg, uh, learned from from Stubler. But what what Stubler also was inside the building was the sober second thought. Was the sage vet who had been through it all and seen so much to the point where, to the point where a young coach a bunch of years ago, you know, like, and I know this sounds, this sounds, this is not, maybe it doesn't sound like a sports conversation, but you know, he was going through a separation. He's like, what am I going to do? Um, you know, the house, the condo or the bed, the, the furniture. And Stubler looked at the guy and said, Hey, it's just stuff. You can always get stuff. 
you know, you have your health, you're in a career that you really enjoy, you're around people that you really like. This is just, you know, one kind of setback. And he just, he made a lot of people understand about values. He made people understand about what matters and what's important. And there's been such an outcry, not an outcry, there's been such an outpouring of support and people eulogizing Stubler well because he really connected on a human level with people in a cutthroat business, which is not easy to do, and Rich Stubler was able to do that. Well put, man. Continued continued good times. Enjoy Indonesia. We'll talk to you Thursday. Thanks, Bozzi. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Again, the 3 2. And he fights it off into right for a base hit. And here comes Guerrero to score. It is Baltimore. And that crack of the bat was the sound of Davis Schneider hitting home Vladdy Guerrero Jr. yesterday. And what would be the go ahead run? The eventual game-winning run, the Jays win it 6-3 to versus the Washington Nationals. And the Jays need to keep winning because the Astros and Rangers right now, they are above the Blue Jays in the standings, and both of those teams really hot. So Jays looking for another win tonight, 5.07 opening pitch from Rogers Center. Davis Schneider, who has been so good since being called up to the Blue Jays, him and that nice mustache. Is your sports cage clutch performer today for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Coming up after 4.30, we'll hear from Ken Hitchcock. We'll also hear from the riders, Logan Furland. This guy used to be with the Riders. He's running the Royal Regina Golf Course now. It's Ryan Pollock. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing fantastic. How are you today? Doing great, man. Uh, the golf, golf looks good out there. The weather's been beautiful. What a great summer for golfing. The weather has been fantastic for golf. There's absolutely no doubt. And uh, it's been hot. And when it's hot and dry and weak in water at night, it's, it's a really good formula for a golf course. So uh, things have been really good at the Royal Regina and, and throughout golf in our province. So... Uh, fantastic to see memberships the you know they've been pretty solid this year uh, on par or better yeah better we're we're completely full um right now um as funny enough as we head into the fall and start looking towards um our renewals already for 2024 but um memberships uh, have been in high demand and uh, rounds played are are going through the roof so people are taking advantage of this fantastic weather and um really really good course conditions i feel like more i feel like my son's picking the game up down south I feel like more football guys are getting into golf. Am I right when I say that? I don't know, maybe around your course, but just in general, I know a lot of the guys out uh, where I live in White City, they're out hacking it around like Dalky and all those guys. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's more football. I, I think I think golf has burst. They, there's no doubt. I, I think it's seen a huge growth, especially coming out of um, the pandemic. I, I think it kind of caught fire there when um, it was one of the only things or activities, sports, whatever, um, that you could do um, during a lot of the uh, um, regulations and mm-hmm. lockdowns. And it's really just caught on and, and grown really, really quick. So, um, yeah, lots of lots of improved numbers across the board. 
Okay, so you got a you got an event that ties in your former love with your current love, football and golf. Uh, we talked about it a while ago. Just to do a reset for us because we're coming up on it. Yeah, awesome. The Royal Dinner's coming up on Saturday. Um, this year it's deemed as um, celebrating Green Mile Greats, and we're mm-hmm. looking back on the uh, um, 10 years since the 2013 Grey Cup Championship. So um, we've got a couple names that I'm sure listeners out there would recognize with uh, Darian Durant coming in, Weston Dressler, uh, Brendan Labatt, and Chris Getzlaff will be our keynote speakers for the night. And then our host will be uh, none other than... Uh, uh, TSN color commentator uh, Glenn Suter so shaping up to be just a fantastic evening out at the Royal Regina hard to believe it's been 10 years isn't it yeah it's uh, it's been fun um, it's been very stressful for me planning this event and mm-hmm. the closer it gets the more stressful it is but um, yeah. it's been a ton of fun and talking to the players and talking to suits and um, some other um, you know reaching out to some other guys I've talked to Brendan Tamman and Corey Chamberlain this week and, and relived some relived some really cool memories and it's been a lot of fun setting this up and being able to go down memory lane and it'll be a, a real fun night on Saturday to, to do it in front of a, a room full of people one that you can air give me an example of a memory that put a smile on your face or gave you a chuckle from 10 years ago uh, well, you know, it's it's the emotion of it, but what people have really been going back to the most, which is pure Saskatchewan, is how damn cold it was that week. Yeah. And we could barely even practice. It was so cold and, and people didn't want to take a step um, outside the entire week. And then um, Sunday game day and like, I, I don't know the exact temperature, but it felt, felt like it went down to single digits mm, yeah, it was and beautiful. it was just awesome. And I remember, um, well, I have pictures around my house. I wore khakis and running shoes on the game. Like it was winter boots and toques and scarves and two pairs of mitts all week. And then mm-hmm. wearing just normal khakis and a jacket and running shoes on the game. So um, just uh, just an awesome part from there, and and then you know what, winning winning was pretty good too. Winning is always good. Uh, this team is five and five. I think given everything going on right now, uh, you're you're a re- uh, you, what I've always appreciated about you is you've never gotten too high or too low in anything. So uh, you, you're not doing jumping jacks, but you're also uh, not depressed. Uh, but what do you think of a five and five a team with everything that's gone on so far? Yeah, I think they they're in a pretty good position when you like you say you consider um, you know losing their number one quarterback and then um, you know Mason Fine going through some some learning curves and and then look appearing like he's finding his stride and then he goes down and and Jake comes in and ends up winning a huge game for the team so I think all things considered them sitting at five and five they're in a um, a good position in the division um, as far as a playoff spot goes. Um, with with I think opportunities ahead, uh, it's my belief that the team is going to continue to get healthier as the season goes on. And um, when when I say healthier, there's some names um, on that injured list that you hope um, have a chance to start coming back in the next few weeks and, and making this this team a, um, a little bit stronger. So I, I think in the big picture, um, you know, we should be happy that they're sitting at a 500 record. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, going into Labor Day here, where anything can happen and um, and the team will start to approach their final six and, and be in a position where the fate's in their own hands. I don't remember a league like this. Like, I know it's not an NFL where there's 32 teams, you lose your first four or five, you're pretty well done. But, like, I know it's only nine, but I don't remember that this league is, uh, like, it's wide open. Almost anybody can win this thing. I think there's five teams with a legitimate chance to win this thing, and the Riders are one of them right now. 
Yeah, it's interesting. If you, if you look at the standings uh, and just by pure numbers, you, you'd think that there's a large division in the league. But, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think the teams um, the teams at the top have, have done a good job of hanging on to leads and, and squeaking out wins. But I don't think anyone looks like they're untouchable right now. Um, and then, yeah, it, it seems interesting that the, the bottom half of the league, if you will, has, has very few wins, if, if that makes sense. It's, yeah. Um, but but they're competitive, and if you sleep on them, um, they're going to jump up and bite you. So I, I, I do agree. I, I think the team that catches fire in the end here is is going to be um, the most dangerous, and, and that's why I believe the um, you know I'm, I'm obviously a supporter and rooting for them. And mm-hmm. um, if the riders can put themselves in a good position to just keep improving towards November, then um, then all bets are off, and, and they they could just catch. Uh, catch lightning in a bottle and, and get healthy at the right time and, and put it all together and, and be a real tough team to beat. Last question for you. You've been in the inside of these things, being the communications guy, so you you know uh, some of the behind-the-scenes talk. Is there can, I, can you really make a difference with these NFL cuts that we always, oh, NFL cuts, we can airlift guys in, or you know maybe like a, a Dakota Shepley, and I kind of threw out the name yesterday, Brett Jones, what's he doing? He's still in town. Is he going to school? Does he want to play again? Can those guys legitimately make an impact this late in a season or guys like them well i think when you when you refer to a guy like dakota he he would be a guy that probably could because of his familiarity with the cfl game and um the league and the nuances that go with it he probably would be able to adjust um quite quickly if he wanted to make that move that quick um the ones that are more difficult are are those nfl cuts that would be coming up for the cfl for the first time um and and not having uh you know any familiarity to it it just it would be unreasonable to think they're going to come up here and learn those um, aspects of the game and the playbook um, whether that's offense or defense and and get injected right away mm. you do see some guys come up that can um, have some special teams um, value and uh, can hit the field there and kind of just learn one aspect and kind of learn as they go but i don't think that there's anyone um, right now that's uh, not on a CFL radar that's going to get signed and come in and make a, a massive mm. difference, especially with the league moving up even a couple more weeks, Ballsy, that yeah. um, like a- after Labor Day and, and the rematches here, there's only six games left. So, um, you know, it, it feels like there, you know, I it used to feel like this was the 8-9 yeah. Week mark. Yeah. Um, and now with it being a little bit later, it's just harder when these NFL cuts are made. There's just that much less. Um, season to be had as well. It's a good point. Hey, this guy here is uh, he's a smart dude. You know, the Ed- hey, Zinger, the Edmonton Elks need a president. Huh? Oh, yeah. okay. This guy, this guy's running golf courses. This guy knows okay. business and he knows football. I see you. Hey, right. I'll start the rumor. I see Fake you. Fake news. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they should look into it. They could do a lot worse. They, they have. Uh, anyway, Ryan, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Always appreciate the support, guys. Take care. Ryan Pollock from the Royal Regina Golf Course, former rider, uh, director of communications. When we come back, we will uh, hear from Ken Hitchcock, Hockey Hall of Famer, and Logan Furland, too. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. The New York Yankees have released former Toronto Blue Jay Josh Donaldson today, the Yankees announced. Sticking with the Jays, well, they play the Washington Nationals again tonight after winning 6-3 to yesterday, the Jays did. Jose Barrios gets to start on the hill 
him and his 9 and 9 record 3.55 ERA first pitch shortly after 5 o'clock and a quick news note from the National Football League this is by no surprise but DeMar Hamlin has made the Buffalo Bills 53 man roster the sports cage is your voice for football not only in the province but around Canada this is the sports cage CFL report a look at what's happening in our three down game Bunch of NFL cuts today. In fact, all of them, the teams that get down to 53-man roster. Sam McGuavin, the former Ryder linebacker who went to Miami after Saskatchewan and his time here, uh, cut by the Jets. He's made uh, $3.9 million in his career. Um, but, uh, yeah, and he appeared in 66 games in his career. Seven starts, 71 total tackles, eight tackles for loss, four sacks, two fumble recoveries, and one defensive um, touchdown. So there you go. Um, cut by the New York Jets. Also, this is kind of CFL related, but it's local though. The Labor Day rivalry continues away from the football field and on the golf course. The first annual Labor Day Golf Classic at Aspen Links, <clears throat> September 2nd, hosted by Ballers Rec Room, The Tap, and Aspen Links. Join Rough Rider and Winnipeg Blue Bomber alumni for a day of golf fun, followed by awards, prizes, dinner, and a cabaret at the Ballers Rec Room featuring the band Gecko uh, from Mexico. Proceeds donated to Regina Minor Football, Regina Flag Football League as well. Enter your team today tickets available at eventbrite.ca and some of the alumni from the Riders and the Bombers actually because Andrew Green played for both Quinn Magnuson, Brett McNeil and Luke Mullender, our own Luke Mullender. So uh, that's going down at Aspen Links on September the 2nd. CFL report for Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boater pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in person in Fort Capel or online at kevinsmarine.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And Tuesday's show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lottery's main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Not every day you get to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and talk to a Hall of Famer, but we are today in Ken Hitchcock, who goes into the Hockey Hall of Fame in November. Uh, do you still have to pinch yourself? Like, what does that sound like to you? Well, it, it was a shock because I I wasn't really ready for it, Michael. And uh, when Lanny called, I knew Lanny's voice. It's so distinct. I knew what it was about then, but I hadn't paid much attention to it. And anybody that knows me, um, numbers and stats don't mean that much to me. So, uh, but after... After I uh, was nominated and and uh, accepted, I started. It's given me real pause to kind of reflect back on my career and think about the people that have helped me along the way. So it it did one really good thing. It made me. We're in the business, uh, coaching wise. We don't stop very often and look back. We always look forward. But this has given me a chance to look back. So I'm very appreciative of it. Yeah. It's always nice to smell the roses when you get a chance. Uh, Ken, so you won a Stanley cup in 1999. Your name is on the trophy forever. You have a ring. Uh, it's not November yet. So maybe your answer will be different in a few months. What's more important to like, what, what strikes with you more this or winning the Stanley cup? Well, I, I think winning the Stanley to me, if you took it in order, it would be Stanley Cup, then Olympic gold medals, then the World Cup, and then 
you know, these Hall of Fames are mm-hmm. accepted there. I, to me, the Stanley Cup, it, it takes you so long to get there because when you think you're ready, just when you think you're ready, you're two or three years away, Michael. And so it takes forever. And um, and then with the Olympics, the pressure and the the scrutiny and the um, the level of play is so astounding that it's it's really really impressive. And uh, to be part of that four times is 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 really close to winning the Stanley Cup for me, to be honest with you. Yeah, Ken Hitchcock joining us here, Hockey Hall of Famer, great coach at all levels. Ken, I I, I heard you say in an earlier interview that there is an uncomfortability that comes with coaching your team to a Stanley Cup. Can you tell me what that means? Yeah, you know, there's a there has to be an extreme high level of accountability, and the, the non the non negotiable stuff has to be in place, or you can't win. And getting to where things are non negotiable, there's certain aspects of your game that, no matter what the player's talent is, no matter how good he is, have to be adhered to is really challenging and difficult um, to obtain. And and when you get it, it's like gold. And then you can turn the team over to the players, um, which I was lucky enough to do two or three times. Uh, uh, as good as we were in Dallas, we were even better in um, in in, in uh, Philadelphia for a couple of years there, and then a couple of times even in St. Louis. And even then, there's no guarantee, Michael. But mm-hmm. the, the area the area that goes from the coach controlling it to the players controlling it, which is what you need to win is a really uncomfortable area because not everybody's going to be happy with you when you're trying to obtain that. And so you got to be able to coach through that area if you're going to be successful. I often wonder this, Ken, when you have to be hard like you just said and you have to push some buttons, when something like this happens to you, do you get a lot of congratulatory calls from former players? Not immediately. I, I I was astounded by how many players called me that I coached years ago. Um, uh, I think after a while, either they get into coaching or they become parents themselves. They start, it starts to resonate with them what we were trying to accomplish um, in the teams that they played for me with. And I think it starts to hit home after you have kids of your own or you, you get into coaching, you're managing yourself. Uh, then some of the things that that you probably didn't like and didn't really accept uh, readily start to make real sense in order to build a team. Michael, it's all about building a team. And in order to build a team, there are certain aspects of the game that everyone has to do. And that's really hard to get that across to people because that's a, uh, a lot of times even some of your best players don't want to do that stuff. But you need that. If if you have it, it's like gold, and if you don't, then that's the crack that shows up when it matters the most. So when hockey's your life, Ken, and it still is your life, let's be honest, it's a big piece missing when you don't do what you've always done at a high level like that. How much do you miss being behind the bench? I'm I'm kind of lucky because I work for St. Louis, and I do it as a... um, as a advisor to the coaching staffs of the American league and the mm-hmm. NHL team. So 
I, I get a little piece of it now, but number one, Michael, I really miss practice. I miss planning for practice. I miss practice. And then number two, I miss the time that two and a half hours when the pucks drops until the end of the game. I really miss those two aspects. The other stuff I don't miss, I, you know, the preparation is thick and heavy and, 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 and cumbersome at times and, and takes a lot of hours. And then the travel, um, it just wears on you and wears on your body. But I really miss practice and I really miss building the team through practice and, and all the elements of the, that part that go into it. And then the competition for me, um, I love it. Once that puck's dropped, I think I'm in my wheelhouse and I love that part of it. I appreciate, I've done many interviews in my life and, uh, in, you know, 27 plus years and you address me by name. So I can tell you're a pro's pro. That's part of it. What, when, like you hear players say, Hey, uh, I learned to become a pro. Is, is it the same way for a coach? Like how long did it take you to learn to be a true professional coach? I think the day that I stopped being afraid of the good players. And what I mean by that is that you, you got to have the same set of rules for everybody in most aspects. And those rules have to be a little bit non-negotiable. And it's hard to do that with your best players because there's a freedom to their game that they want to have. But if you negotiate the hard stuff, like the things that have to be adhered to by everybody, and then you're willing to put them in place, and you deal with the backlash when you do that, then that's when you're a real pro coach. That's when you. That's when you're a real, a real winner in my eyes. The guys that aren't afraid of the players, and that's very difficult to do because um, there's a lot of scrutiny that goes with that. There's a lot of criticism that goes with that. Um, there's a lot of whispers behind your back. But if you got, if you stay steadfast and you hold your, you hold your cards you're going to be successful at the end, but it's a very difficult thing to do. You're still involved in the game, as you just alluded to, Ken Hitchcock. What are you most proud of now that it's kind of sinking in? To me, it's it's all, all the guys that are coaching that I helped along the way, uh, and, and their appreciative uh, texts and phone calls means a lot to me. It means that, you know, I, I just didn't do it for me. I, I, I'm... I really think that coaching Michael is a noble profession and I really treated it that way. And to see the other guys benefit uh, because we were kind of the forerunners to the coaches association and just trying to enhance the game. And I'm really uh, appreciative of, of those guys coming and congratulate me. And cause it, cause I'm kind of, I I'm from the different era. I didn't grow up playing the game. I learned the game through, going to clinics and coaching kids hockey, coaching midget hockey, and then on to junior hockey in the Western League. And I learned the game through that school of hard knocks, and that's a that's a long road. And to see these guys be able to pick up the phone and say congrats means the world to me. So you've done a great job, and I think that's um, that's a really great attribute is when you've done something and got help along the way, you've paid it forward. I've heard you talking about four men that really helped you, and I want you to comment on them. Uh, Doug Jarvis, Rick Wilson, Bob Ganey, and Bobby Clark. You kind of singled out them as guys that helped you along the way. Yeah, well, first of all, with Wilson Jarvie, Michael, um, I came in with I came in with a game plan to play the game, and, and I, I'd only played one way 
in midget, junior, and minor pro. And there was another way to play. And Doug Jarvis and Rick Wilson both played in the Montreal system. Mm -hmm. And they taught me the Montreal way. So I'm really respectful and appreciative of that. And my first 12 years of coaching, 11 years of coaching, was with Bob Ganey and Bob Clark as my bosses. It just doesn't get any better than that. And their guidance and their support, they had my back every second of the way. I really would have never got out of the gates, through the gates, and to the finish line without those guys there for me. And I really, really appreciate that. It's a very uh, tough business, man. Were they part counselor for you? And I don't mean that in a negative way. You know, we're, you know, you got to have somebody to talk to. If you're a coach, you got to have another guy to talk to. You just can't go talk to a random dude. Yeah, you know what they did more than anything? They allowed me to vent. They, 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 they allowed me to go up and say, hey, I need help in this or I screwed up on this or how can I handle this? They were my sounding boards. And they were experienced guys that knew exactly what it took to win. And I really tapped into their knowledge, and it made me a better coach. Give me one example, because I think it's important to, we talk about successes, but everybody fails. Ken Hitchcock's failed. Give me one example where you failed, and then you turned it around for yourself. Well, for me, one of the best examples was during the playoffs, um, we got hammered at home by Colorado. And I was really livid with the way the team played and really upset. And so I was going to go in and the next morning I was going to really blast hard. And, and Ganey said, you, you talk about trust. Well, you're going to have to show trust now more than anything because your players are rattled. And if they see that you're ranting and raving, you're, you're going to be rattled and they're going to be rattled and it's not going to look good and it's not going to end well. You need to go in there calmly and tell, tell the players exactly why they've had the success and why they're going to have success if they follow the plan again. And if you do it in a very calm manner, you're going to come out okay. And he was dead on. We won the next two games, won the series, and ended up winning the cup because of it. But it was not the plan that I was going to have moving forward. It's a great story. Ken, a couple more quick questions for you. Um, this one I always wanted to ask you. So Ken, Ken Hitchcock, this Ken Hitchcock, the Hall of Fame coach, if you could give one piece of advice to the young Ken Hitchcock coming up after all this, all these years of experiences and accolades and ups and downs, what would be the piece of advice you'd give to young Ken Hitchcock? Michael, I think it's the same to a lot of coaches right now. One of the things that we don't do well enough is we don't say thank you and we don't tell the players how much we love what they do for us and their effort putting forward. I think sometimes we expect it, we want it, we need it but we don't tell them how much we appreciate it when we get it. And I think if we, if we did that more, it would make for a better, even a better relationship. When I was six years old, I wanted to be the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That's why I went to broadcasting school. I've called hockey and everything like that. And uh, I said, one day I'm going to be in the booth calling rider games. And fortunately it happened for me. Did you, did you always know, could you see your future, so to speak? Like, is this something you always wanted to do? No, no, to be honest with you. Um, where I was at coaching midget hockey and working for a living, I was happy there. I, I, never, I never really applied for a job in my life. I, they just came, you know, and, and then as they came and I, 
I interviewed, I got the next job, and, but I never really w- was looking for work and I was happy where I was at. What, what I really wanted to do was teach, coach, and compete. And that's what I wanted. I didn't care what level it was. I had no aspirations to go to the National Hockey League. I just wanted to teach, coach, and compete. And that was, that was the focus for me. My last question for you, and I know you watch hockey because you're a hockey guy. Uh, we just had Connor Bedard roll through Regina, pick first overall by the Chicago Blackhawks. Just your thoughts on Bedard and what you see in his game. There's been a lot of comparisons who he could be like. I don't know if I necessarily like to do that. It's unfair on a young kid. But what do you think of his game and how it might translate to the NHL? Well, he's a once-in-a-lifetime player for me, and the reason he is is he can do the things that you want that you like to what skilled players can do, except he can do it at Mach 1. And that's what's so impressive. He does things at top speed that very few people can do, and that's why he's going to be successful. He's humble, he's dedicated, and he's committed. And the other thing is he's got skill like crazy, but he's got this ability to provide the skill at top speed, and that's going to be hard to play against. Well, I always had respect for you, Ken. I'm not going to lie to you. You pissed me off many, many years after my Edmonton Oilers shocked you guys and knocked you out of the playoffs, and then we couldn't get past you. Uh, it seemed we met every other year after that and couldn't get past Ken Hitchcock and the Dallas Stars, but uh, a well-deserved honor, and I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Congratulations. All right. Thanks a lot, Michael. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Couldn't stand that Ken Hitchcock team. That one with Guy Carboneau and all those guys. Hall and Medano. Drove me nuts. Oilers beat Hatcher. Oilers beat them once and then they couldn't get past them. I hated, me that team. I hated that team too. They played a, they played a defensive grind that I would. St- and Eddie Belford drove me nuts too. One of the big reasons why I hated that team was one of my friends in elementary school was mm-hmm. a huge fan of them, yeah. and I didn't. Li- he wasn't really my friend, I guess. I just yeah. didn't like this guy, and he would just brag and brag about yeah. the stars. Mm-hmm. Made me sick. One of my favorite memories, though, was it was the '97 series. Dallas was ahead of Edmonton by all those. Uh, points in the standings, one versus eight. Edmonton's down on home ice. I think it was game number, yeah, it was game number f- four. They're down two games to one, and they're down three nothing with five minutes to go. They scored three goals in five minutes, and then they scored in overtime and won the game four three. Won that series in seven with with Marchant going down the wing. Remember Marchant in and the Edmonton Oilers. That's how Bob Cole got the Edmonton Oilers are Edmonton moving on. The Edmonton Oilers are moving on. I love it. It anyway. was also ver- uh, against the Stars, the one that uh, our friend Peter Labardius called. Uh, that was the, uh, I don't know if he was the coach then when Patrick Steph. No, went to, but the Stars. Yeah, when yeah, Steph, was it was just stars. a regular season game. He went yeah. to put it in the empty net and coughed it up and Hemsky went back and scored. By the way, that was a great interview. Ken seems yeah. like a really good guy and well-deserving of it. He never played hockey. No. He never played hockey. Fool me. Can you? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Had some great Kamloops Blazers teams, Dallas Stars, Philadelphia Flyers, St. Louis Blues, still involved with the Blues organization. Coming up after five, we are going to hear from Logan Furland of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. See what he did in the bye week. Yeah. Talk about that great offensive line performance against the BC Lions and what they expect from the Blue Bombers and... 
Then we got Pick the Score. Then Glenn Suter. Then another show in the books. It's been a fun one so far. If you missed any of it, check it out in podcast form. You could check us out online, too. You can get us anywhere. The lake, the farm, the, the tractor, your couch. My son's laying on his bed listening to the show. Grand Forks. Uh, you could do that on the uh, 620 CKRM app. This is the Sports Cage and the Voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM for Saskatchewan Lotteries. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. All right, let's get after the last hour of the show brought to you by... The show is Saskatchewan Lottery's main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. You can text us at 936-6262, powered by the Capital Auto Group. That's the number to call locally if you want to talk some sports or 1-866-767-0620. If you missed any of the show, like our conversation with Ken Hitchcock, Hockey Hall of Fame coach, you can pick it up in podcast form. And wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. You can get us anywhere at the CKRM app. We're on your airwaves, too, at 620. CKRM, your voice of Rough Riders football. And uh, this guy plays on the Rough Riders offensive line. He is Logan Furlan. He's kind enough to join me on the Western Pizza Hotline. How are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Good, man. How was your bye week? What'd you do? Uh, I just stuck around Regina. I did, uh, did some work with some family. Yeah, I tried to chill out when I could. Yeah, bro. Put, you shut the phone off. Uh, put down. Are you a social media guy, Logan? Like, do you check out social media or do you leave it alone? Uh, once in a while, but try to stay off as much as I can. Just ends up being a distraction. Yeah, it's kind of a sewer pipe, isn't it? Kind of get uh, down one rabbit hole into another. If you're doing like some guilty rabbit holing on like YouTube or something, what do you check out to kind of go down? You know, like I'll go back and look at old Edmonton Oilers games or uh, old CFL games from the 80s. Anything you do like that? Oh, man. Well, I, I stay away from any politics whatsoever, so... If anything, I'm just looking at uh, maybe some old O-line film. Um, you know, some of the favorites, Quentin Nelson, mm-hmm. some highlights from uh, just guys that guys that uh, you try to you try to follow. Yeah, you mentioned him. Is there anybody else you kind of looked up to? Uh, you know, throughout your time, even in the CFL uh, for yeah, that matter. Tyron Smith. Oh yeah. I mean CFL. I mean you look at guys old film like Brett Jones. Uh, you look at Dan Clark, you know, when, when I was first uh, first getting, you know, going from Thunder to the Riders and uh, just guys like that. You know, there's there's a lot of legends, Brendan Labatt, like any any of the local guys growing up is uh, really the guys that looked at a lot. Okay, so help me out, Logan. What's your age? I'm 26. So 26. So you would have been 16. Were you at the, because this is the big 10-year celebration of the uh, Rough Riders Grey Cup win, the last one they won. Uh, do you remember where you watched that game? Where were you when, when that game was going on? Oh, man. I believe I was in uh, in Melbourne on the acreage just with, with the family. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, yeah, quite, quite the memories of that one. Did you have a... Uh... I don't know if I've ever asked you, when did you start playing football? Was that always a goal of yours to be, like, was it ever, was it a dream to be a Saskatchewan Rough Rider? Yeah, of course. It, it really became a reality, like a realistic dream when uh, when I graduated high school in, in Cambridge. Uh, um, that was uh, that was kind of my goal after high school. But during during high school, you know, I never really, really had that goal set out. And it just, it just kind of ended up working out. I wasn't the biggest football fan growing up. Just watched uh, the main games, but for the most part, it just became a, a reality when 
you know, started playing in Regina. Yeah. How cool is it to still run out when the fireworks are going off? And like, for instance, this weekend when it's going to be probably sold out, you're playing the Bombers. It's the game of the year, the Labor Day Classic. You still, uh, I don't know if you pinch yourself because you're a professional football player, but do you allow yourself to get caught up in the moment a little bit? Oh, you have to. Yeah. You have to take it all in. And uh, it, never, it never gets old. You still got the same chills. You know, I still got the same chills I got in the, the very first time I ran out. And, uh, really, really nothing changes for that feeling. It, it feels like the first time I, I step foot on that field every time mm-hmm. I run out of that tunnel. And, uh, you know, after that, then it's just it's back to business. In, in a game, like in a not a preseason game, like in a regular season game, do you remember who's the first guy you hit on another team? Do you remember that? Oh, man. <laughs> um, oh, you're playing D.C.? It might have been uh, might have been one of the no tackles, probably Banks. Okay. Um, back then, he's still on BC now. Yeah. What's it What's it like to What's it like to Because uh, a lot of us will never feel that. I know I won't. What's it like to You know, you're kind of a, you're a young guy. You're coming up. You played with the Thunder. Then all of a sudden, you're not in a Thunder jersey. You look down and you're in a Ryder jersey. and You're in a professional football game. Yeah, pretty surreal. Honestly, it uh, it was. It was a slow kind of adaptation for me, just being lucky enough to uh, PR while I was on the Thunder. And you know what? Uh, being lucky enough to play in a few of the preseason games when I was, you know, I was still 21, I believe. And mm-hmm. um, so I, you know, I had a slow introduction to it. But uh, every every time I throw it on, it's still kind of that pinch yourself moment, right? And yeah. That time really does fly, and it's it's crazy, you know, at 26 already, and. And it is really is like the, like the guys say, time really does fly. We'll get into the game here coming up in the last game, which I think was the offensive line's best performance from a layman here who wasn't in isn't in the film room. Obviously, maybe you can, maybe I'll stand corrected here. But um, your uh, your your uh, you know alma mater, the Thunder, doing great. They haven't lost a regular season game since October twentieth, twenty nineteen, and they've got. Um, you got Schick there and Woodley from the team. Just talk about that relationship between the Riders and the Thunder. And that's kind of cool. It lets uh, you don't get that with university where you can kind of play both. Uh, that that's kind of a cool aspect of junior football and the pros. Yeah, you bet. It's it's one of those unique things, and uh, you know, other unique part of it is just a lot of a lot of trades guys. You know, they have the ability to do uh, mm-hmm. go up to uh, go up in the ranks, and and uh, it's. You know, it gives that opportunity to guys that maybe aren't aren't so much the university guys and are more hands on guys and would rather just uh, you know continue in the trades or just go to maybe a, a technical institute or maybe just work. It gives that opportunity for those guys and Thunder Thunder really helps provide that opportunity and it's one of those really unique uh, unique partnerships they have and um, you know it gives a lot of opportunities for for guys like me and any young guys coming up. Yeah, you uh, you got your own thriving business. I know working with your hands, not on the O line. I'm talking away from the field, is therapeutic for you. So on a bye week, do you do you kind of tootle around, or do you stay away from that just so you don't maybe injure yourself inadvertently during the season? No, I uh, no, I've always got a project on the go. We got an older house, so um, and between that and helping helping family out with different projects, everyone needs a carpenter once in a while. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, when I am doing it, I just with uh, what I'm doing and making sure I'm doing it all as safe as possible because, yeah, if you were to injure yourself, then see you later, football, so. Yeah. 
Zark almost cut his hand off one time doing that, so that's why that's what I immediately think of. We don't need our we've had enough injuries. We don't need our offensive lineman Logan Furlan getting hurt. Hey, speaking of the offensive line, to me that was your best game. You guys came out, you were fired up, you took it to the BC Lions. Did you guys how did you guys feel as a unit after the game? Yeah, we we felt pretty good. I mean, uh, uh, pass protection, you know, is 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 always improving, and you know, there's always something to improve on uh, during the week. We felt like it was a it was a good game, and um, you know, always always something to to look at and learn from, regardless of how you play. How do you feel about the run uh, run game? I don't think it's been as bad as people painted out to be. I know the uh, I know the short yardage has been an issue at times. Uh, just your thoughts from being down in the trenches. We, you know, a guy like me who's never been in the trenches says, okay, well, they give a they give a yard. Uh, you only need a yard. You should be able to get that more times than not. But it's obviously a lot harder than that. Yeah, it is. There's there's quite a bit that goes into it. It's not just easy as easy as. Uh just full speed ahead as an old lineman there and whether it's um whether it's us missing a block or maybe there's too much space between us or mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe quarterbacks a little high um or whoever's whoever's carrying that rock it's there's a lot more that goes into it and uh it ends up being like that in run game as well it's just one one thing at a time and you know you, you could have uh you could have 11 or 12 executing and maybe one guy misses his line and then that's what makes the play so mm-hmm. um you know what sometimes you bust one sometimes you don't but you got to keep the positivity and just trust the game and and uh continue to drive forward so sometimes you get a step you get a statuesque quarterback versus a guy that runs around and sometimes you don't know where that guy is that's running around uh you got i think you got right now two quarterbacks with similar mobility in in the tall guy jake dolagala and mason fine is it different in pass pro for Jake, as it would be for Mason, just in terms of their size, does that affect how you block? Because I think, like, I watched tape of Drew Brees. You talk about watching tape. Drew Brees was an undersized NFL quarterback. He'd look for passing windows, right? Whereas Jake Dolagala, like, you know, Mason is a shorter guy. Jake Dolagala is a taller guy. Is there a different, is there a different way to block for those guys? Uh, not really. You know, it's, um, if you get down to the specifics of it, there's, you know, maybe all that changes is maybe a, maybe a tackle set a little bit based on uh, what a dropback would be for for different guys. But other than that, you know, you always try to execute it the same way, and uh, you start micromanaging too much, and that's when you run into problems. So you want to just be as consistent as as possible with the O line, and and just really try to keep that communication and no matter who's in there um, we, we're always going to block the same you feel like you're and that's a good point Logan you feel like to me it feels like you guys are kind of figuring it out now it's been a kind of a rolodex not only at quarterback you're at your third the receiving court and the offensive line but lately you've kind of been having the same guys in there it feels like now maybe and that's the one thing I've always said the offensive line is a is a team onto its own within a team and that's why they're always so tight it feels like you guys are having a little bit of cohesion there. Is that kind of how it feels for you? Absolutely. I mean, you you look at any consistency. As long as you have a consistent old line um, that that can stay healthy and you're keeping the same guys beside each other, building that chemistry week by week, uh, it's, it's going to turn out positive. And uh, that's exactly what you see happening. The more consistency we have, the more guys we can we can keep healthy and, and uh, you know, continue to build that chemistry. 
the better it's going to get, and that's exactly what's happening. And all things considered, you know, I mean, 5-5 five and five isn't 9-2 and two like Winnipeg, but I really believe every team is beatable in this league, and you have a better than a puncher's chance of winning this game on Sunday. Uh, what do you think uh, of, of your chances and, and the team sitting right now at 5-5, five and five, which is, I don't want to get comfortable, but you're in a nice spot. Yeah, I know. We feel good. Um, we feel really good coming off this bye week. We finally got, um, you know, majority of the team healthy. And uh, that's that's been a struggle with us since the beginning of the season. So just to have a lot of a lot of guys back and, again, continue the chemistry, um, it's, it's going to be it's going to be a great game, a, a physical game. And we just have to to continue the physicality and, um, you know, continue to win in the trenches and, and everywhere else. And, I think I really believe we're going to be we're going to be just fine, and we're able to dominate, mm-hmm. uh, not just sneak through a game, but actually dominate. And uh, that's just the mindset we have to go in with. There, 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 I want you to answer this one last question because you can answer it. I can't, but I get asked this too. It seems like the guys really played hard for Jake Dolagala, almost insinuating that they play harder for Jake Dolagala than they do for Mason Fine. I would like to think you're paid professional players. Your jobs are on the line. You want to win, so it doesn't matter who's behind center. But can you answer that for me? Because uh, there's the perception that you guys really came out and you played hard for Jake Dolagala. Where I was saying, I think you guys really just came out because let's be honest, for the most part, maybe not individually here or there, that effort in Montreal was not up to standard, so you guys had something to prove. Yeah, and you know you know what, there's uh, it's it's funny you ask that because you know, when when you hear people say stuff like that, no, he maybe didn't play as hard, it's like those guys, um, no matter which play it is, professional football or not, you know what, those guys are giving everything they can to the sport and to the game and every play, so, so when you, you leave a game and you hear that Oh, we just didn't try. Um, you know what? That's that's you know I got to call a bunch of bull because every guy in there is is playing their heart out. No one wants to uh, you know leave a stone unturned and just leave a half effort. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? That's that's end up, that ends up what it is. Whether you get the team gets blown out or not, mm-hmm. um, you know it might look might look that look like guys maybe aren't giving it their all, but guys really are. And it really comes down to. Uh, how they're executing their jobs. They're giving it a hundred percent, but whether they're they're doing their job correctly or um, you know the guys around them are doing that as well. That's that's really what it comes down to. Logan, I appreciate your uh, candidness. It's always great. Uh, I like you. You're a young guy, but you're not soft. You're not soft. You're uh, you're a hard nosed Saskatchewan kid. Good guy. Can't wait to see you back in the practice field. We'll talk to you this week. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Have take, a good one. Take care. That's Logan Furlan, offensive lineman of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Pick the score next. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Zinger, we've had two great interviews for sure on the show. Ken Hitchcock was thoughtful, and so I love the candidness of Logan Furlan. He doesn't beat around the bush. He stands up to criticism. He accepts it, but he also calls it out. Love it. I love Logan Furlan. He's a good guy, man. He's a good guy. Ken Hitchcock uh, Hitchcock will be uh, re-aired on Friday for a rewind, by the way. Yeah, that was good. Of course, because I did it. Oh, oh, <laughs> no, he was great. He was great. He was a thoughtful guy. Uh, Michael Ball was the star of no, that show. No, no, you know, <laughs> you know what? You know, that's a, that's the thing I was taught very young. 
in this business. Like on call-in shows and stuff, the callers are the stars. The the listeners you have are the stars, or the the guests are the stars. Like they're yeah. gonna remember. Hey, did you? They're gonna say, did you hear Michael Ball ask Furlan that? They're gonna say, did you hear what Furlan said about not playing for? That was pretty good comments when he said, no, we play we play all the time. Like, give me a break. Yeah. I, I could see, not Logan here, but I could see, like, if you were on a 5-12 and 12 team and your quarterback was a complete prick and, you know, just a locker room jerk, which I don't think any of these guys are, and you, uh, you owe Leia Block just to, you know... Get yeah. to him, right? Or but like when I was playing. Part, why would you do that? When I was playing on the Pee Wee Rams, I could picture a couple of my offensive linemen maybe just missing a bunch of blocks. That's why I got demolished. <laughs> maybe so I don't think they liked maybe, me. Maybe. maybe. Oh no, you're a very likable man. Yeah. Very likable man. Okay, nine three six sixty two sixty two. It's for this game, isn't it? Yes. We've got two ducats, two tickets, two passes, two tickets to paradise. Tickets, yep. And the paradise is the Labor Day Classic, the 58th annual. The Winnipeg Blow Bummers are seven and a half point favorites over your Saskatchewan Rough Riders who will be wearing those Hmm. Minty, minty, best jerseys in the league, the Retro Rider jerseys with the upside down S. Give us a call right now, 936-6262, the number to call. You pick the score, you automatically win tickets, and then we'll go from there. And I don't even care if you pick the Blue Bombers. You don't have to pick the Riders. You just, it's pretty simple. Two things. You have to pick the score, and you can't have won on this radio station for 90 days. Here we go. Let's pick somebody. Here we go. Who do we got? Hi, who's this? Hello? 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 Hi, who's this? McGuire. Where? You're breaking up. Who? Let's go to the next one. Sorry. Tried to get you um, next time. Who do we got here? Hey, you got Todd Deach from Raymore. Hi, Todd. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, Todd. What are you up to today? I am just doing some housework. We're painting some doors on our house. Oh, nice. White or what color? No, it's a wood grain, and then we're going to coat it with some oh. car paint. He said wood grain, not wood green. <laughs> not painting his doors green. Like He's not that wood much grain, of a fan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, is your significant other helping you or just you? I do the prep work, and she does the uh, painting. Part. Yeah, because that's just like every other man. She is not going to trust you, and I totally agree. What's your uh, wife's name? My wife's name is Leslie. Hi, Leslie. So, uh, will you take Leslie to the game on Sunday, or will you take a buddy? I think probably a buddy. Okay, she's not a big fan? Well... She's going to sit home and listen to the game on the radio while she finishes painting the doors. That's what you need to say, Todd. That's the right answer. That's exactly what right. she's going to do. That's, that's right. ex- that's ex- I might even give her a shout-out during the broadcast, okay? So, <laughs> Todd and Raymore, uh, what's the score going to be? I'm going to say it's going to be 36 to 21 for for Winnipeg. Okay, okay. I, I don't like it, but I, it's your prerogative, man. It's your. your are you, please don't. Please tell me you're not a Bombers fan. 
I'm not a Bombers fan. Thank no. God. You're just kind of a realist. You're saying that. By the way, if Winnipeg wins, they can clinch a playoff spot. But they're not going to win, Todd. You're going to be wrong. But you know what? Even though you're wrong, you're right. Because you've got two tickets to the game. And if you're the closest to picking the score or get it right on the money, 36-21, you said Winnipeg wins the football game, the 58th Labor Day Classic, uh, then you will get a $200 gift card to Sastel. And then... Uh, you'll be in the running to watch a game from a luxury suite next year, okay? Awesome. That sounds good. All right, Todd, you hang on the phone. My friend Sean Kleisinger will get your information, okay? Good luck uh, Get good luck prepping those doors. Make sure you do it right because you don't want to sleep on the couch. I will. Thanks, guys. Take care. That's Todd in um, Raymore. We'll be back with uh, Glenn Suter in a moment on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Your sports ticker is for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. And the Toronto Blue Jays, they are taking on the Washington Nationals after winning last night. And uh, the game is underway, and the Nationals have a 2 to nothing lead Ooh, against uh, the Blue Jays. Oh, man. It's, it's over. It's over it's for done. the Jays. It's Why done. do I even keep reading these scores? It's done. It's done for the Jays. The ticker's done, too. We're on a rampage. From sideline to sideline, the sports cage has U of Rams football covered. Tell me why I should cover it. Why should I cover Rams football? Let's go to the phones and say hi to Mark McConkie, head coach. McConkie, I've coached camps with you. Uh, I've, I've, I've told everybody what a great guy and a great coach you are. I'm a Regina Ram alumni. I've supported this team. I've got my Growing the Game with Ballsy podcast. And then I see a picture from the booth where Ryan Hall and Sean Kleisinger get Under Armour Ram shirts. And I'm wearing, I'm wearing my Rams pace setter jacket from 1990 when I was on the team. What the hell's up with that, McConkie? Well, you know what, Mike? I'm just trying to keep you cool in style with your son, Ethan, because the retro gear is actually what's in now. So I'm just keeping you looking good, looking fly. <laughs> oh. Slicinger, he's on his own, and same with Coach Hall. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. Hey, uh, Mark, uh, just your evaluation of the preseason game. It's good to get out there and bang off some of the rest, Did you, some of the things you liked. Yeah, for sure. No, it was good. I mean, the score wasn't really indicative of what actually kind of happened, and that's we knew that going in. They brought 60 guys, and they brought their top <clears throat> two groups, and we played all of our groups, groups one to five. So mm-hmm. we, uh, when it was ones on ones, we was three nothing game, which is kind of what we expected to be. And then as we kind of rolled in our our youth in the second half, the uh, the older guys from Manitoba just kind of took charge, especially the line of scrimmage. So, uh, but at the end of the day, it was a positive game. It was just good for our guys to, okay, this is where we play. This is how we do pregame. This is how we dress. This is what the game mechanics are. This is how we get in and out of the huddle. Um, so overall, it was successful, um, and it's not all about winning the preseason game. It's yeah. about getting the other little wins everywhere else you can. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, you get a bit of an advantage, I think. UBC did not have an advantage in the sense that you got to bang off some ring rust and everything like that. Um, uh, they didn't get a preseason game. Theirs got canceled, by my knowledge, but they uh, you don't know much about them probably, right? Like you haven't seen any tape except from last year, right? Yeah, that's the thing. We were actually every team was supposed to play, and then we all were, we all all the coaches agreed to exchange tape. And now, once that game got canceled due to the smoke, no one's exchanging film, so we don't really know what to expect. But at the end of the day, they got the same OC, DC, and head coach. So 
we know kind of what they're going to throw at us, and we'll be ready to go from what we faced in previous years. So they've got a uh, they've got a pretty good offensive line, though. Like I think they've got three caliber, if not four, uh, professional caliber offensive line. Uh, besides that, what do you know? And they got a decent quarterback, I believe. What do you what do you know about their team? What kind of game do you expect? They're notoriously a slow starting team in the regular season. Yeah, they definitely are. They always start a little slower than most teams, but and they're a team that, like we know, we know this too well. You don't want to face in the playoffs because they continue to get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping to take advantage of them and jump out on them early in the game. But they're they're a good team. I think I'm waiting for that coach's pull to come out, but I think there'll be one or two uh, in Can West because they they got probably two of the best linemen in the conference. They probably got the best D linemen in the conference. Uh, their quarterback's good. He's back healthy. Their running back Isaiah Knight was a Can West All Star last year. So. They've got some weapons that we got to be ready for and uh, make sure we're dialed in on Friday night. So you've got a turnover uh, more so on the defensive side of the ball. We've talked about that, Mark. So is there more pressure on your offense to carry the water at least early on this season until you know guys get up to speed on the defensive side of things, which is kind of weird because they always say defense is ahead of the offense, but I think it might be the opposite way with the Rams, unless I'm wrong. Yeah, no, for sure. We've definitely raised the bar and raised our standard for what we expect from our offense. And it obviously starts off the quarterback position. Last year, we went in with uh, the first-year guy, Noel Pelcher, who did a great job. But there's a difference from having a fourth, fifth-year quarterback like a Noel Pickton or a, a Nathan Nice and having a first-year Noel Pelcher. And, and Noah struggled in his first year like Noel Pickton did. So did Mason. It's, Mason really didn't play till year three. So it's hard to expect a 10 from a young guy. But Noah's made some big strides. And our O-line's only gotten better and healthy this year. And uh, they're doing a great job kind of training under Brett Jones, and now Brett's here on staff with us as well. So we're excited. We've kind of revamped the run game a little bit. And, um, yeah, I, I, we do have a higher standard for our offense, but I know our defense under Coach Gray is going to do a great job as well. It's awesome, man. Well, uh, hey, can't wait to see what happens. And who cares about the poll? You were picked last. You should probably you probably want to be picked further down again and work last year, right? I'm hoping we're fifth or sixth, yeah, but we'll see. Okay, thanks, Mark. Take care. Best of luck on Friday. Okay, sounds good. Take Thanks, care. Buddy. And a game you can okay. catch right here on 620 CKRM with our pregame show at 630 with Sean Kleisinger and Ryan Hall play-by-play at uh, 7. Yes, we got a half-an-hour pregame show this year with Zinger. He says, I can do it, Balsy. I can take it for half an hour. So we'll see. We'll see. If not, he's, <laughs> not, he's fired. Anyway, let's... Uh, we gotta get the Glenn Suter. He's been waiting very patiently. He's been, he's been real bored. He's been listening to an hour and a half of the show. <laughs> Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former Ryder Greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation. All right, welcome to the uh, Glenn Suter Show press coverage. <clears throat> Hall of Fame broadcaster, Ryder Plaza of Honor inductee, brought to you by Quality Tire. With nine locations in Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Hey, uh, Suits, I know it's his dream. I don't ever, uh, I want anybody to chase their dream. We all have dreams. Um, I'm living mine, so I feel pretty fortunate. But um, I don't know, man. I, I just, I think it's a, I just think it's because of politics, a fool's journey. I'd love to see Nathan Rourke just say, I'm coming back to the CFL. I feel like he's going to waste two years just trying to chase this thing, and he's never going to get a serious look. Uh, it, yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about this a year a year ago, you know, when, when the, the discussions about him going south were happening, and 
you know, the politics that he would face. Um, you know, I, he's going to go on. He's going to go through waivers. He, there's a chance he could get picked up by another team. But if he if he's going to get picked up by another team, then he has to be on the 53-man roster. So if if a team is going to dress three quarterbacks, essentially, because they've gone through camp now, so it, it it's unlikely. I mean, there's there's going to be teams with interest. I would I would guess, but you know you have to put the guy on the roster, and which team is going to do that, and which team is going to dress three quarterbacks. So that's that's the, what he's facing, and then he can go on the practice roster with Jack with uh, with it, where he is. But he's now he's going to have to fit there. Um, it's not about money; it's about getting in the game and, and leading and being a Pro Bowler. Because as soon as he gets on the field, he will be a Pro Bowler. And if he gets back here, he's going to be a CFL All Star, and he's going to be a champion because he he is that guy. Uh, I'm not surprised this has happened. It's disappointing. You know, I've, I've heard different narratives, Michael, like a couple being that, you know, when you invest in your number one in, you know, whether it's the draft or whatever, and you, and you sink 20 million into him, the backup has got to be a reliable veteran that you know. And so you also put 2 million into him and then now you've made those investments so you don't put Nathan Rourke on the roster, you put him on a practice roster. Well, is Nathan Rourke the best option at number two or maybe even number one down the road? I mean, who knows? But yeah. if, if, he, if, if he is your best option and he is your best player between the two in Jacksonville right now, the two backups, him, him and C.J. Beathard, if, if you are... If you are, if he is best, then why isn't he on the roster? Well, don't, I, so don't tell me there's not politics in the NFL. No, I saw your uh, colleague Dave Naylor uh, kind of give an article about that at TSN saying about, you know, he's got to be, uh, basically what he's saying is they, they, they got the main guy and then you got to have a guy that uh, maybe won't threaten him to play, but it's going to be a, a glorified counselor at two million or five million. Oh, like. Oh. Right. Let, let, let me. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but but Michael, this that's a great point because again, are you are is is Dave implying now? And and you know he's talked to some scouts and people like that. I'm sure. So he's implying that you would rather have a guy that is going to be the coach to your golden boy. Yeah. Or or a guy who's going to mentor him and say, yeah, you're the man, and you know tell him how good he is. You'd rather have that than competition every day in practice? Because I guarantee you they don't win games if that's their philosophy. And if that's the philosophy of other teams in the NFL, they're not going to win either. Because I, you have to have competition at every every position. I um, I think this comes with getting older, and you've actually played, so you've gotten older and you've played, right? You've, you've been at the professional level. I hear this narrative. Well, I mean, he, listen, this is his dream. He's going he's gonna to try, and he, he's always got the CFL to, quote-unquote, fall back on. But he's a 25-year-old man, and there's one thing that I've learned in my life the older I get is you don't get those years back. You, there's one 
There's one common currency we all have, and it's time. And we can't make more time. We can't get the time back. Once it's gone, it's gone. And my thing is this. I know he has otherworldly talent. You know he has otherworldly talent. He's got all the chance to to. You know, he's got he's got the chance. If he got on the field, he absolutely would. He's showing he would. But I just don't think he's ever going to get the chance. I just wish he would. I just wish he'd come back here because he could be the face of an entire league and spur on so many others and 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 not waste two years being pushed down by stupid politics. It's kind of you know what, Glenn? It's kind of it's kind of the other way. Look at this. Look at this. If Trey Ford would have had, uh, if Trey Ford would have had a birth certificate that said he was born in Mississippi, or or even that, even that he was born where he was born in Ontario, but he played for Alabama State or or uh, you know uh, mm-hmm. Backwoods Arkansas State, he would have been in that. He w- I don't care what anybody says. Yes, kudos to Chris Jones. He put the Canadian kid in, but that's. Oh, no, no, Chris likes Canadians. He put the Canadian kid in. Malarkey. If he would have been from Backwoods, Arkansas, Taylor Cornelius would not have had an opportunity to last as long as he did. Like, come on, man. Like, He's the most dynamic guy on the field. Yeah, and, and completely has changed that team. In fact, this may be a bit of a stretch, but if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he may be saving a franchise or at least saving tremendous upheaval in a in a once very strong both financially and on the field franchise so you know i i just i couldn't agree more michael like the the fact that it's been this long to take a look at him i just you know and 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 chris jones is probably going to hear this comment and i've got to do zoom calls with him and he may bring it up but whatever um it was a mistake and if you were telling me that trey ford wasn't on the field when you were losing game after game after game after game because of practice, you just didn't think he was practicing well enough. I, I just don't buy it. I, I'm, t- I'm sorry. I just do not buy it. And I, again, there's politics in both leagues in different ways. And as soon as you get into those type of things, when you're making decisions, your, your interview with Ken Hitchcock was fantastic. Both both you asking the questions and coach answering them. And I listened because he he talked about the process, humility, being a great teammate. His his most important um, you know memory or or what he he cherishes most about his time has been when a coach calls him or a player calls him and thanks him for teaching him teaching those guys the culture that you know, you don't hear good coaches talk about winning and we're not going to... That'll take care of itself. What you talk about is the humility, the respect. That story he told about going down 2 nothing in the series in the playoffs and he was going to go rant and rave and try to kick the guys in the butt to get going. Mm-hmm. And he got the advice and was humble enough to understand that maybe a different approach would work better to show them their trust. It was fantastic. I was riveted. And, you know, I I just, as soon as you put, I bring it up because as soon as you put politics into the decision, we need to have our backup quarterback be a mentor to our starter, not a guy that could maybe take his job. Mistake number one for Jacksonville. Honestly, 
if you don't have a guy behind you that can take your job every day, you're not going to get the best out of you. That's just the facts of pro football, yeah. pro sports for that matter. That's why uh, certain franchises like Jacksonville stink every year. They, they stay, suck. They suck every year except for last year. Anyway, that's because they played my Chargers and they couldn't hold the lead to save their life. We'll be back with the second half for a nice conversation here with Glenn Suter on the sports cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back. I got Glenn Suter here with me. Second half of press coverage. Suits, you've been a part as a broadcaster, but as a player. Do you have a favorite one as a player, the Labor Day Classic? Oh, I loved them all. I absolutely <laughs> loved them all. Because it, it, honestly, it didn't matter what our record was. We were winning that game. I mean, yeah. I, I was on teams that had you know three or four win seasons, and but one of them was that game. Uh, it just it didn't matter how good the Bombers were. Now the rematch, different story. Ask me the question again next week because yeah. <laughs> it was it was not pretty going back there in the rematch. But um, no, I, I love them. The crowd, the atmosphere. Um, trying to get some sleep at night if you're sleep if you're anywhere downtown. And, you know, the Bomber fans trying to disrupt it all. It just, uh, it, it is, I'm not going to say it's when the season begins because that's just silly because two points in, in July is just as important as two points now. But um, it, it is sort of a, a, a pinnacle of the regular season. It's the high point of the regular season. And right now the matchups, Saskatchewan can beat Winnipeg. They're the best team in the league, but they can beat them. They're not unbeatable. The the Alberta series just got really interesting, mm-hmm. and so did the Hamilton series because of what it, what they did in BC. Well, wow. so all of a sudden, it's it's really cool matchups. I haven't i I can't remember a league being this wide open. There 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 are uh, teams with better records, but everybody is beatable, and it, it's wide open for. I believe it's wide open for four teams. I think if the Riders can tread water and get Trevor Harris back and they're getting the rest of the roster healthy at the right time and coming together, see a little, little more cohesion on the offensive line. You had Logan Furlan on talking about that. If we, you know, the Riders have a, have a great shot, the Bombers. I still think BC and, of course, Toronto. I, I disagree with you. I think the Argos are the best team in the league. Uh, I think Winnipeg, uh, perceptions, everything, and facts are negotiable, and they could have easily... Now they found ways to win, and they're still a good team, and I'm, I know I'm the Riders' announcer, but that wasn't a 47-17 game. Montreal had a pathetic performance on offense. They've got a great defense, but a pop-gun offense, and they're going nowhere with those quarterbacks. My opinion, not yours. So uh, there's not many times... Glenn, you throw two pick sixes in a game and win by 30 points. Let me say that again. There aren't too many times you throw two pick sixes and win by 30 points. So Winnipeg has got away with a lot. I expect a fired-up rider team, and I think this one is, they're, they're favored by seven and a half coming in here, the Bombers. That's way too high. Well, the, the the Riders on Labor Day at home is that's a different ball game. It's just a different intensity. It's a different feel. It's completely different. By the way, only two other quarterbacks in the last I want to say fifty years or something have have thrown two pick sixes and won. 
and they were both Anthony Calvillo. It's only happened two other huh. times, and they were both Anthony Calvillo in Montreal. Wow, wow! <laughs> and, you know, and 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 I hear and I hear what you're saying. You know, like you can look at it from different angles, and and you can make an argument for the Argos, and and that's a you know a one and one a discussion, I think. Mm-hmm. And and I I still think the Bombers are the number one team in the league because they do find ways to win. I think that's a characteristic of a number one team. Sure. Um, and they can fight through adversity, but they also gave up 16 points to Ottawa and lost that game, and they've also lost big to the BC Lions. So when you, you know when you when you look at the sort of the whole picture and you look at how the scores have gone, the top teams getting knocked off, Hamilton going into BC place and beating the BC Lions. Come on. That's that yeah. like I was concerned I was concerned going in calling that game that we were going to have a blowout by halftime, which is always a tougher telecast as you know. And it went the opposite way. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I think it just it it brings the league closer, tighter. It makes this Labor Day matchup and all of them across the board really cool to watch and exciting storylines. And I agree with you. Any team on any given day can beat the other team or the top two teams in the league. Hey, uh, I want to wrap up with something you had said earlier about uh, or tied in. So uh, you said Tra- uh, Trey Ford's going to, you know, he potentially could be on the verge of helping save a franchise or at least getting it off the mat. Uh, the the mat. Yeah. Nathan Rourke did that too. Like he did that with uh, he did that with Amar Doman's help, but he had to go on the field and do it. Think about that in back to back seasons. We've got a Canadian quarterbacking story, something we hadn't seen in fifty years. We need to be talking about this way more. That this is cool. This is this is really cool. What's going on? Like when you look well, at I... when you look at Trey Ford. Trey Ford is the Canadian. Uh, I'm I'm only comparing it because more people know what I'm talking about when I say this. Trey Ford, when he's on the field, looks like Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles running around there. Same type of throwing style, say, you know, speed, everything. Well, his his ability to escape with that quickness, the quickness, I, I haven't seen a guy that quick to escape. Like, just quick feet, fast twitch, muscle kind of guy. I, I haven't seen that. I mean, he when he decides to take off, that quickness. A lot of guys can run. Dustin Crum can run, but not with that type of quickness where he can beat a D lineman, get around the corner as fast as he can. He can make every throw. He's reading blitz and defenses. People are throwing stuff at him like they did against Nathan Rourke, and he's figuring it out. He, he, he had close to 400 yards of offense, over 300 passing and 74 rushing in the game. I mean, the guy is a star. We we are going to all go nuts whenever Chicago does anything because Connor Bedard, and I'm all in on that because he's a great Canadian kid that played in Regina with his junior hockey. I'm in. I love it. He's got the Canadian flag right on his forehead. They, that I love it. So we should be doing the exact same thing with Trey Ford. Well, uh, some of the ratings are starting to reflect that. That's great news. Uh, Glenn, we're out of time. I will not be here Thursday. Remember, you're talking to Sean, not Michael. I am leave- <laughs> I'm going down south to watch my kids' home opener, so I'm pretty excited about that, but I'll be listening to you guys on Thursday. Tell Ethan good luck in that one, and, uh, you know, I-, I know he'll play great. And and nice nice job on the Ken Hitchcock interview. Oh, awesome. Thanks. Uh, if you haven't heard it, folks, if you haven't heard it, Zinger said he's going to play it again, honestly. Listen to one of the great coaches in the NHL.
That was good. He's a, he's a very thoughtful man and a deserving uh, recipient of a Hockey Hall of Fame honor. Thanks for your time. Okay. Thanks, Michael. Thanks. Uh, thinking of Hall, uh, speaking of Hall of Famers, Glenn Suter, uh, done with us, but uh, he'll be back, and he'll be back on our pregame show on uh, Labor Day Sunday. That'll do it for my time. The show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. We'll be back tomorrow here inside the Octagon on 620 CKRM. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.